What's up, people, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart, and I'm super psyched to do this show because it is our NBA draft preview show. The NBA offseason is, to me, becoming the biggest soap opera in sports on a yearly basis, and usually the NBA draft is what usually kicks off that chaos that we see happen every offseason, but really, Kawhi Leonard started that this week, and we'll talk a lot about him uh, at the start of this show, but this is going to be a NBA draft-heavy show, and I think it's kind of Kendall become one of the things that we're kind of known for. If, we're the, if we, we were talking about what our brand is right now, I think people look to us as people who kind of know what they're talking about when it comes to the NBA draft, so this is a big show for us. We're, of course, excited to do it. Next week, we'll... If, I don't know if he's going to be next week. I don't know when we'll do the, the recap. We might do it this weekend. Yeah. I don't know what your schedule is like. We didn't talk this far beyond. By the way, Kendall Stewart, my co-host, is here in studio. Um, but, yeah, I think it's kind of become our calling card, which is exciting for me. I love talking about the NBA draft. But, uh, yeah, whenever the draft comes out, I'm sure we'll have a, a recap soon after that. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine. Um, EJ, you see James, Hart- James Harden's uh, new MVP edition of his uh, Adidas sneaker. I feel like you can't come up with MVP edition of your sneaker after you got eliminated from the playoffs. What? Yeah, it's bad right. timing. Yeah. You just, just, now, why didn't they drop him during the playoffs? And ironically, he hasn't won. He had MVP. a lot of months. He hasn't won MVP that's, yet. When does that awards happen? I think, I think that's next week. That's uh, This is taking way too killing, long. Yeah, people are This is it. stupid. Um, Can they not do this? In- I, I vouch for the idea that they should do it. Immediately after the regular season. I, I kind of agree with you. that If they did it like that, it'd be fine. It's fine. Then there's no complaints. Because uh, then you can still have the guys celebrate with the fans, you know, during the playoffs. Yeah. Like, and I actually feel like it, it'll take a little bit off of the momentum that, I don't know if it's a lot of momentum, but there is a momentum to include the playoffs as part of the awards for the regular yeah, season. I think, which is, is I, I look, and there are a lot of respectable people who are making this claim. Shout out to Rachel Nichols. I think she's kind of leading the charge. She's been leading the charge. She's awesome. But I think this is an insane proposition. Insane. I think it's completely ridiculous. The only so, thing that, the with that only being pro- said, yeah. though, I respect those people, but that's an insane thing. And the NBA can help stop that momentum, I think, by having these awards announced and done before the playoffs even start. It would be better than this. You know, I think there would still be, like, people then saying, well, look, this guy, uh, LeBron, is obviously the MVP in hindsight. And, you know, there will be that momentum as but well. We've had that before, but, but I think yeah, it's exactly. worse now because yeah, exactly. we're still sitting around. We don't have an MVP, and everybody's like, the real MVP is LeBron. Yeah, the real rookie is Donovan Mitchell. Right, where I think if you would have cut that joint before it happened. People would stop worrying about it. Exactly. These guys would have already won. It would be obviously a regular season award. Um, but what's weird about these MVP sneakers, DJ, is that I believe uh, James Harden went to uh, Arizona State. Right. They look very eerily like UCLA sneakers. I was looking at that, too. Yeah, it looks like the light blue. And you said they've been using a lot more black in their color scheme, especially with a football team. Gold. So I don't know. I thought that was strange. Yeah, I don't and get it. UCLA, ironically, isn't an Adidas school. Are they, are, they tent, are they hinting at some kind of another super team trade happening? Yeah, I don't know. Harden's going to L.A. Yeah, Harden's going to L.A. Going or, home. Or, or is Westbrook joining the Rockets? Is there something I'm missing here? Oh, yeah, maybe that. I don't know. Um, in EJ's version of Star Wars, oh, things God. get a We'll talk about Star Wars in a sec. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to do the show. You excited? Yes. Yes, I am. I mean, the NBA draft is, is here. It kind of doesn't feel like it. Um, it's kind of stuck up, even though I mean, maybe it's because I'm I'm I've been a Celt- I'm a Celtics fan and I've had the luxury of having a top five pick. It seems like every year, 
So like, I'm not used to like the draft being around this time and not caring or not following 24 uh, seven what your team's gonna do. I imagine as a Knicks fan, you're you are very much aware that the draft oh, is yeah. on Thursday. Yeah, this is the. The, the, the rare cracks the Knicks have at getting a good player yeah, you've are, been waiting for are this. usually only in the draft because they waiting this flop week. when it comes to signings and trades. So, and like, they actually have their pick. Like, so literally, I've like, been counting down the days. Since Porzingis got hurt, really before that, but immediately <laughs> after that hurt, it was lottery night the draft. and then yeah. draft night. Yeah. So now we're here. This will be the completion of that tanking experience that the Knicks <laughs> went through uh, for those three, four months. And then we'll have the summer league, which I'm sure we'll talk plenty of about that. And experience but, is certainly one way to put what I went through that second half yes, of that season. You and a couple million New Yorkers. No question. Um, but before we get to the NBA draft, like I said, I feel like the kind of soap opera and the chaos that ensues with every offseason began uh, unofficially this week with Kawhi Leonard. So I, I don't know why this felt, even though we kind of saw this coming, this still felt huge. The fact that Kawhi Leonard, by multiple reports, I think first reported by Shams, uh, shout out to him, Yahoo Sports, he uh, reported that Kawhi Leonard wants out of San Antonio. Though I feel like the reporting's been a little weird. When I read the articles, it's very rare I hear him say that he has went to the Spurs office and requested a trade. He hasn't spoken to I don't think he's done that. Everything we've heard is that he, they're doing this through the media. That him and Pop have not spoken. Yeah, this is seems very like, least they've maybe spoken over the phone. Right. This this seems that. like a pretty crazy thing. So I can't even say that he's requested a trade. Which, I don't think that's happened. Eh. I don't. I don't. He th- hasn't gone to. I don't think that's officially requested. happened. Whereas Melo and other players Kyrie. who have Kyrie, they have like made it obvious that they were requesting a trade. That doesn't. S- s- every report I've read, I've read a million of them because I had to write about it myself. Right. Um, I've not seen so, someone say that he's requested it, a trade yet. Is there any significance? It could be a formality. I'm just yeah. Making, I was saying, is there any significance it out there. to that? Do you feel? Do you feel like that means that there is a, a chance that this isn't as bad as it seems? Is there a chance that maybe they could mend the fences? Or are you suggesting? Or are you just suggesting this to say that they? Because for me, the only thing I get out of that is I'm not saying I lose respect for Kawhi Leonard, but I prefer when the guys go up to the team and tell them I want to. <laughs> well, I don't this, like a guy going through the media. Is, yeah. So that that's the only thing I get. I don't know. I don't think that this, you know, creates a, a chance that he will stay in San Antonio. Which brings us, I think, into the we already into the weeds of the conversation of what do we think of Kawhi Leonard when you ask that question? Because I think I would lean more towards what you're saying in that I think it speaks a little bit to. I'm trying to find a word that's not as rough as the word I'm about to use, but. I, uh, I have a word. Um, it seems like he's trying to take the coward's way out of this. Oh, coward! Uh, um, I don't know if my I, words. I, that, worse, that's I, that, my my words bad. I don't, and I, I don't, I don't mean to sound that harsh. I, if I can find a, a different word, I don't think I think coward is worse than what I was gonna say. Well, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say snake. Yeah, I think bad. snake's worse. They're both bad. I, just, I think he'd I rather like, be referred to as a snake than a coward. Yeah. Without question, he'd rather be a snake than a, Kevin than Durant a has two Finals MVPs and he's referred yeah, to as a snake. Exactly. No one that's why I feel coward. like coward is worse. All right, you I know, hear you. Yeah, you know, I feel like if you're a snake, like it's not a question of somebody's like toughness. Well, I say that because coward means you're scared. I say that because I do take think it takes a level of maturity and just heart, flat out heart, to stand man to man or even on a phone, man to man, telling someone. I want out of your organization. I think that takes a little. It takes a little something different 
than what he's doing right now, which is really just having his uncle speak for him. Yeah. I th- you know, like, it, I'm calling like it is. Like, that's how I see it. So, the way you, when you ask me what does that mean, I think it means that he clearly doesn't feel comfortable talking to the organization and letting them know what's up. Cause I, fa- I feel as, cause I, and I, I, and I do believe that he has not formally asked for a trade. Cause I think it would have been written. I think there's a, like normally like I, again, I worked in journalism. I work in journalism now. Word usage and articles and things are important. Things are left out for a reason. Things are put in articles for a reason. The fact that I read a zillion Kawhi Leonard articles, not one of them said he went to the team and requested a trade or that his team even requested a trade tells me that there's something that Kawhi is not being able to get out of or get ahead of and that he doesn't want to do. I don't know why. I can only assume it's because he just doesn't have the maturity to, to, to do it. But I don't know. Maybe he's he could just be that fed up with the organization that maybe he just doesn't feel like he even wants to talk to them. But even then, I think it still shows a lack of maturity on his part. Um, with that being said, the news right now is that he wants to go to Los Angeles. Uh, and then speaking about the whole situation with the front office, they... All the reporting has been, which I'm assuming is people just telling Jams and Woj has been, and Chris Haynes, uh, is that he's been upset based on basically how they've treated him after the groin situ- uh, the, the the quad situation. That's the the centerpiece of why this that's is happening. A, that that's a that's a cover. That's it's that's, sounding more and more ridiculous. The more like you kind of sit down and like really like, think go through about the timeline, this. like go through the timeline of events. Unless Ka- Kawhi Leonard seriously was seriously hurt, which maybe he was. I don't know. I'm not Kawhi Leonard. But the assumption from many people, including the San Antonio Spurs front office and their medical staff, is that Kawhi was healthy enough to play for a while. And if that were the case, um, then the timeline goes, he's sitting out for whatever reason, although we do know there's some there was a lot of talk about he wants to get a bag, as Nate Robinson put it, a while back from Jordan Brand or whoever, uh, some sort of sneaker bag or some sort of endorsement bag uh, to go to a big market. And he sits out and he's not playing. Why? We don't know. And then Popovich and these guys start talking crazy. Tony Parker starts talking crazy, mm-hmm. saying my injury was much worse. Right. Pop's talking crazy about I'm glad Lamarcus Aldridge is out there playing hurt. I'm not glad showing toughness, no excuses. <laughs> That's when we got this kind of this the friction. But we didn't get the friction before Kawhi Leonard was hurt. No. Kawhi going into the season was their guy. Mm-hmm. Um Kawhi in the playoffs last year before he got hurt was easily their guy. They they I mean, from the outside looking in, there was no real animosity. Um he was the franchise player. So to say that the reason we won out is because of the way we were treated, unless, again, unless you were seriously hurt, which maybe he does believe I was seriously hurt and they abandoned me, then that's nonsense. If he wasn't, and if he's being real with himself, and he feels like, no, nah, I wasn't actually hurt, I'm just, I want to be in a big market, and this is just a cover, which that's what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea that, you know, they didn't, he didn't like how they treated his injury, and then he got re-injured, and that they didn't like that he was taking, you know, his his medical situation to New York City to figure it out. I mean, it seems like 
it seems like there was definitely some kind of issue regarding the quad and that I think he's using that to get him out of there. Doesn't mean that he's not actually upset about what happened or that there sure is actual is. animosity because of what happened. But I don't think he's leaving because of that. I think he's using <laughs> this saying, you know what, this is a great opportunity to be like, you know what, peace out, y'all. I'll see y'all in Lala. Which then brings us to an interesting situation because the right so far it seems like Pop doesn't want to send him to the Lakers for sure. It doesn't seem like he wants to send them to any Western Conference team. That seems a little odd. Uh, the whole Western Conference thing. The Lakers, they I, I don't buy the entire Western Conference. I kind of don't buy that either. That seems too foolish for someone like Pop. It's, it's, a, poor, it's a poor trading strategy. I understand from a uh, personal standpoint, you want to take a shot at him and not send him to the Lakers and not send him to the Clippers. But at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for your That franchise. whole trading, that whole not wanting to trade in your division or your conference only matters if a, in a football because right. in football you, you play, play two idea. play the, the division team two times out of, uh, out of sixteen, so like that's much more that that's much more a reflection of what's going to happen in your future as well because you got to play against this guy, or in any other sport or baseball as well. Or I was going to say just in any other sport where you have a chance to win a championship. I mean, if the Spurs were in a situation where they're like a contender, and they say, "Well, we want to trade Kawhi to a Western Conference team that will hurt our chances of advancing," that. I understand, but they they have no chance of advancing. Well, what so, I will so, say is, so like the idea I that I want to trade him in my conference, like I, I don't think you're not gonna that, you're not gonna cross paths with Kawhi when he goes to a team that's competing for a championship. I, I would I would disagree with that only because I think the Spurs have championship aspirations. Now, realistically, will they? Win not, it that's next not realistic, year? though. Will they win it next year? No, we don't know what's gonna happen in terms of free agency in the, the all season. But does Popovich? He's got. Probably four years is if the the Olympics timeline is what we're going by, and that's when he'll retire in twenty twenty. He wants to win another one, and if he yeah. trades Kawhi to uh, another team in the Western Conference, that hurts him in that regard. But what I will say is, if you trade him to the Clippers, um, unless they find a way to create some super team in in uh, in Lob City, where is where is Kawhi hurting you? I mean, Kawhi is a great player, but I don't look at Kawhi as one of those guys that no matter what team he's on, they're a 50-55 win team. I'd agree with that. I, I think you need some sort of pieces or coaching around him to have him flourish to the point where, I mean, he might get numbers, but for your team to really, really win games at a championship level. I wouldn't send him to the Lakers because then now you're hurting your championship at chances. Because now I just, if LeBron right. comes, if Paul George comes, if... Clay Thompson comes, if whoever comes to L.A., Chris Paul with Kawhi Leonard, that team immediately is a championship contender more than likely. I just feel like that scenario you're you're talking about suggests that the Spurs window is, like, they have a, re- like, to me, like, it, 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 it speaks well, to Greg a Popovich, level of he's such a He's such a good coach. I mean, they won 50 I don't think games, a, I don't they think won a, almost 50 games this year. But I don't think a four-year win, I don't think they have a four-year window. I think that they, I don't think they'll win a championship until they either get LeBron, so you think they which I talked about up? last week, or they rebuild. Absolutely. What? Who? Who on their team is leading them to a title? Who are they drafting that's going to lead them to a title? I mean, who are they going to well, trade we'll for? Talk about the draft. It's going to lead them to a title. Right. They're they're so they ain't drafting nobody this year, unless they're using yeah, unless they're using that Kawhi piece, which I guess we'll have to talk about. But assuming, let's say we take that off the board. 
where is their avenue to if compete with Kawhi the Warriors Leonard, and Rockets? If you they don't Kawhi have Leonard, one. you're probably getting a B plus, at least a B plus prospect or player back. Probably an A to A minus player or prospect back. Not player back, but you get an A to A minus prospect back from a desperate team. Maybe it's Phoenix, trades number one pick. Maybe it's the Lakers don't have any, I don't think, A or A-minus prospects. They have plenty of B and B-plus prospects. Um, Phoenix also has Josh Jackson, who I think is probably a B, B to B-plus prospect. You can get those guys, those types of guys. Um, Boston, if they were to trade Jalen Brown and the Sacramento draft pick, there are ways. And I don't think any of those trades you just talked to me means that the Celtics, the Spurs have any chance of winning a title soon. I'm not saying a championship, but could any of those names that I mentioned become all-stars? Very possible. And you get one all-star. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you already have LaMarcus Aldridge. Greg Popovich is the type of coach where he gets, he maximizes his ability, his talent. He's shown that he can get a guy in the 20s or 30s or 50s in the draft, like Ginobili and turn him into a Hall of Famer. Obviously, the Spurs are one of the worst. They're They're in the tough, they're in the toughest conference or the tougher conference in the NBA. They're in a tough position because they're an older friend. They're an older roster, but they're not a team that's rebuilding right now yet. And so, if that's I the think case, that's only because of they had Kawhi. Kawhi. I wouldn't even say that. I'll just say only because of like Pop. Like I think his his coaching with a decent roster will always get you to the playoffs. Exactly. So, but my thing is, but. Because, there are some people that feel they would have been but, but like my, my, my question though is is okay they 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 this is we seen what they can do what their floor probably is with pop was probably what happened this year with like a bunch of decent players one all-star a seven seed one one win in the playoffs and you get bounced in the first round where if if you're so worried about what Kawhi's gonna damage he's gonna do in the west where is this this scenario where if you trade him to the east but somehow you get these these this boatload of talent that you're still in contention. I'll give you one example though, which is why brings me to my big question I have, which is what would be a great fit if we take out LA, um, and we might have to because it seems like Pop doesn't want to send them there, and RC Briefly don't want to send them there. What is the perfect fit for Kawhi and for the uh, the San Antonio Spurs? Perfect. I I have one. I have one. I think it's easy. I think it's simple. I think it works for both teams. I think it works for Kawhi. I think it works for so it's the Spurs. It's Philly. No. Not Philly. It is a swap of DeMar DeRozan for, oh, for, for Kawhi Leonard. This has to happen. I don't know how it hasn't happened already. If you're the Toronto Raptors. In Toronto is because I feel like you, if you're trading DeRozan, I, I see the other logic. And I know you're going to get to it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you finish. Because look. The, okay, let's get the elephant out of the room. The obvious thing is, you're Toronto. You're giving up an all-star, printing all-star player for what is likely a one-year rental. Though we don't really know, but it, it's likely a one-year Paul, rental. We saw Paul George. Anything could happen. We don't know. It's, it's very up in the air. My logic to that is very simple. The Raptors should be rebuilding anyway. There's no avenue with this roster, with DeRozan as a star player, that they can win a title. So, it, we've seen that very clearly. So my thing is, go after. It for I don't. Years. I don't want Demar Derozan for four years or however long his. You contract You want to get out of the contract. Get out of that contract. They need to move on. And like, what way? What better way could you do that and get an elite star talent on a one year deal? On a one year deal, there's there's no other player in the NBA you could do that for. So if I'm Toronto, I make that swap. And I say, look, 
Kawhi, I know you don't want to stay here, but like we have awesome fans. And with our new coach, who's really just like our old coach, but our new coach, and we'll see what we do with Lowry. But this now, there's no question that if you trade Kawhi for DeMar DeRozan, this is a radically different team. And I think, personally, as great as DeMar is, I think some of the, the, the deficiencies in DeMar's game and the shortcomings that I think show up in the playoffs, Kawhi covers. I think the fact that DeMar can't guard great perimeter players, despite his size and strength and athleticism, I think puts them at a minus. And the fact that Kawhi can guard those guys puts them at a plus. I think DeMar's inexperience uh, in winning time, in winning situations in the playoffs, is a shortcoming. Kawhi has won finals MVP. He's won an NBA championship. He's played great in the NBA finals in the past. He covers that. So my thing is, if Toronto's like, look, we don't really want to completely blow this up, but we, we think we are, we just were the number one team in the East. We feel like if we shuffle things around, we have a shot to get there. This is the only trade on the table that gets you there. And if you're the Spurs, and you talked about having that avenue of winning a title, I think this is the only trade where I can look at them and say next year and say, oh, well, the Spurs next year, like, they could still be really good. Yeah. Like, if they had DeMar DeRozan and, like, Pop taught him how they, to win, gonna how to play, how to compete on a championship level, they could be a dangerous team. Like, I'm not, they wouldn't beat the Warriors. They still wouldn't beat the Rockets. But could they be the third or fourth team in the West? That would not shock me at all. So, I don't know how that trade hasn't happened yet, to be honest. I guess I'm assuming it's because the Raptors just don't want to situation where they, they want to just have Kawhi leave. I, but I just think it's delusion on their part because we know that this they're, 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 with this machination of players that they have, they can't compete. So why don't they just go all in on a, when he's healthy, a top five type of player? I think DeMar DeRozan, if you're the Raptor, that's your logic. Um, but I think it would probably be smarter if you're really trying to rebuild. Because I look at two rebuilding situations. Let's look at um, Philly, and let's look at Boston. Everyone talks about the process in Philly, and people talk about Danny Ainge and what he's done in Boston. And they give Ainge the credit, and Hinky gets blasted for what happened with the process. The way I look at it, and people look at Hinky, and why didn't you do what Danny Ainge did? Well, the differences in the two situations were Danny Ainge decided to dump Piers Garnett and Jason Terry, but primarily Pearson Garnett, off a playoff team, basically. A year early than probably people expected them to. And they were able to get real value back for those guys while their value Absolutely. was still there. So it was an accelerated rebuild mm-hmm. in that sense. They had to take a year off. You know, they were bad for a year. And yeah. then, obviously, Brad Stevens also made them better than they probably should have been. Uh, Philly, on the other hand had very little pieces when Sam Hinkie got there because Andrew Bynum, nothing. The guy gave you nothing. Mm-hmm. He's dead weight. Um, <laughs> and Drew Holiday with damaged goods. So, and you were able to still get Nerlens as well, obviously. But, so Hinkie, for the most part, started from scratch. And Evan Turner was a bust. Right, so, so they traded him immediately. They nearly started from scratch. And so they had to really claw their way back to the top. They had no value to give up. The most they had to give up was Drew Holiday, who they lied about not being hurt to Philly and to, to New Orleans, and had to pay a fine for that. <laughs> um, and they had they ended up getting Mike Carter Williams and and Noel. Point being, you look at Boston; they their rebuild looked better and quicker because they had more to start with and more to work with. 
Now, what that has to, what, the reason I bring that up with Toronto is that if you make this move, you're Toronto, or if you're going to try and rebuild, you'd be better off rebuilding with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry moving out for young players um, rather than if you go after it for a year with Kawhi and then he leaves saying, well, we can start from scratch. It's a lot tougher to start from, start from scratch than it is to... Yeah, trading Lowry next year will be much harder than it will be this year. Exactly. And or, really trading any of those guys. Like, even the, the, the ancillary pieces, your balance units, like, you would think right. that those guys, they're not old, but you would think some of those other guys will lose value and, and it, it, it will likely be another second-round exit in the playoffs or something like and that. And, like, DeMar DeRozan is the guy with the most value on the team. Right. And so he gets you back the most in return. Yeah. But if you trade him for Kawhi Leonard and Kawhi Leonard leaves, that's a dead uh, but the re- asset. But, but the one thing I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to sit on the Raptors too much on this topic. But the one thing I would com- counter you with in that point, which is a good point, is though we have seen that the idea that your star player could net you this king's ransom is kind of dead now. It kind of died with Melo, I think. When he got traded to the Knicks, I can't think of another player. Maybe it died with Dwight Howard. Maybe that was the last time where you know. Well, what I, do we consider Philly? I think Philly thought they were getting a lot and they didn't. But that was like the last time where like okay, like they trade a star player was traded. And I like, mean, Cleveland thought they got a lot also. For what? In what? Kyrie. Trade? I mean, we. But that's a different kind of trade though. Like they got veterans. I'm talking about. I know they got one pick. Right. But I mean, like they did that. Oh, I'm gonna get like like, Kyrie. After I'm gonna get a bunch got- of young players and like. I'm gonna get a starting like the Knicks gave a team a starting lineup. Yeah. Like and in the Nets, they gave a lot for Darren Williams. Like there there were these trades that happened over a course of time where teams were giving these Kings ransom for these star players. And I think they looked back on it and they were like, Okay, this guy was good for us, especially with Melo, but I don't think we should give up that much. Clearly. Like that he wasn't worth that much. And I think these teams now we saw last season, uh, we kept talking about what's the package for Butler, a Jimmy Butler deal. And we were talking about all these crazy Celtics packages. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. All these Celtic packages that we're talking about for someone like uh, someone like Smart Butler. Brown. We're talking about that third pick, which ended up being Tatum and Brown or something like that, or Smart in, in that third pick, which ended up being Tatum. Like, those would have been King's Ransom type of deals that didn't happen. They traded Chris Dunn, who looked like a bust in his rookie year, and a guy who had a, knee, a bad knee. And, and then Paul George, we're like, okay, well, this is going to be – uh, another King's Ransom type of deal. And look, Old Depot ended up becoming a star player, but no one, and I would even probably include the Pacers, though I'm sure that they liked him in their evaluation, uh, thought that he was going to end up being the star player, all-star caliber player that they got. But at the time, people thought that the Pacers got fleeced. Everyone thought the Pacers got fleeced. Um, Melo last year. Melo got traded last year, and people thought that it, it, the Knicks could possibly maybe get this great package, and they got... Cantor and McDermott, you know? So the the idea that these star players are going to net this king's ransom of young players' assets, no one wants to be Boston. Uh, excuse me, uh, Brooklyn. No one wants to be Brooklyn in training with Danny Ainge. No one wants to be the Knicks and Nets uh, in these recent deals. No one wants to be Philly or the Lakers, um, not excuse me, Philly or Orlando in training with the Lakers and you're getting that Dwight Howard trade. Like, no one wants to be those teams anymore, so they're just not Toronto, going all in on those trades. Even, like, even someone like Gene Butler, who signed long-term. Like, Toronto, like, Chicago ended up with Lowry Markkinen. If you're Toronto, would you rather start with Lowry Markkinen or would you rather not? Would you rather start from scratch? I'd rather start with Lowry drop, they to, But they had to trade their... They also lost their pick. It wasn't like they added a pick. Right, they right, swapped I see picks. what you're saying. But, like, 
like I'd rather have those picks than not, or I'd rather have the young player, whether it's Oladipo or whoever, than not have that guy. So that's why I say you're not winning a championship with Kawhi Leonard. I mean, maybe you can somehow miraculously convince him to stay, but that the odds that the odds I feel like aren't. I don't think they match. But I mean, for me, I think that team would be Philly. I think Philly has the what's the word? The capital. Well, they have the capital. I they have the motivation to want to go out and get Kawhi right. Leonard, and they like they need to get Kawhi Leonard because after seeing what happened in the Eastern Conference Finals, there's no way they could look at the Eastern Celtics. semifinal. Oh, you mean what the Celtics did? What the Celtics did, and right. both the end of the Conference Finals. Right. There's no way they could look at the Celtics without Kyrie and Hayward and be like. Oh yeah, we're gonna compete with those right. guys with the with the rosters we we got. Yeah. Um so if Kawhi Leonard's available, like you said, they've got the guys. Um, I mean Ben Simmons is early in his development, and maybe he becomes that guy eventually, but it's very clear to me right now that that team definitely needs a one on one perimeter score. Yeah, go to guy late in games that a, can take a over. very obvious glaring thing we saw in the playoffs. If Kawhi was on Philly, they beat the Celtics in five, six games. Agree with that. You know, like, that was their weakness. You know, they probably sweep Miami and they beat the Celtics in five or six games. But they choked late in games like I thought they would going into the playoffs because they didn't have anybody that could do anything. 100% right. You know, like, and so I look at this team and I'm like, look, you trade Fultz. You may not have to trade Fultz, but you probably would have to trade Fultz. I would look at Fultz. I would look at, I'm thinking, Sarich, maybe Covington, and you have the 10th pick in the draft. Um... All those combined would probably net you Kawhi Leonard. And if you're, if you're uh, San Antonio, if I told you you can get the number one pick in the draft from last year in Markel Fultz, yeah, who seems to be working on their, um, seems to be working on his jump shot with Drew Hanlon, uh, shooting coach. <laughs> if I told you you can get Dario Sarge, one of the better European players in the NBA, if I told whatever that means, <laughs> if I told you you could get. Um, the number ten pick in the draft. Yeah, I think you have to do it. Whoever that is, it could be uh, anybody. Mikael Bridges, Mikael Bridges, Miles Colin Bridges, Sexton, Colin Sexton, Trey Young, Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox. There are plenty of guys at ten that will be available. Hey, Gilgis Alexander. That I'm sure the Spurs would be fine with picking along with Marco Fultz and Dario Saric. Does Philly say yes to that? They should. It's a risk, but I don't think it's that big a risk. Cause I think Kawhi stayed in Philly. Really, I think he would stay in Philly. What? But what? My question though comes: He is still a free agent. Like, does that LA question then just come up next year? It's possible because he could just be like, "All right, well now." The way I look at Philly, now maybe the Lakers. I would assume won't have cap room. I think the Lakers are gonna hit go a home run. They gotta hit a home run this offseason. It's inevitable. He's a, yeah. So you're on on my bandwagon. They're gonna get someone. LeBron's going there. I don't know about LeBron. They're gonna get someone. I mean, they get, if even if it's not if even if it's not Kawhi, they're gonna get some. They got two max slots, so they're gonna. The Lakers are going to be a playoff caliber yeah, team get, next year. Let Paul me just George. make that clear. It's because of what they did this offseason. They're going to they're going to hit big. Right. So if the Lakers it might not be a Lakers situation, but it could be a Clippers situation where the Clippers the clear situation. the cat space, or the Knicks who will have cat space. And there's reports that Kawhi's team has talked about wanting him to be in New York. He does. He he lived in New York for the whole season, basically, because yeah. of the whole uh, Uncle quad situation. Uncle is based is, is, out in New Jersey. Yes, he's very good friends with Kawhi, Kyrie Irving. 
uh's uncle who they're oh, both dad, from yeah. west oh dad i'm sorry yes who they're both uh they both live in west orange new jersey which yeah. is right across hudson river if you know anything about new york city um do you think this is, so you think this means lebron's there lebron's going like you think lebron's going to the lakers because of this or do you think it just doesn't matter? This, oh no! I, like I said, you don't think that they're like in cahoots with this? No, no. I, like I said last week on the show, the LeBron decision was made probably before the season. At Los Angeles, yeah. This is this is a money deal. Yeah, I think it's very obvious. This is a money deal. This is a Hollywood entertainment type thing. Like I think this is bigger than basketball. LeBron going to LA. Um, no, you could tell. That's he, wild. We read me. the tree leaves. So you don't, we so, read the tree leaves. But so, does that mean? But do you think he will have some running mate with him? Of course. Okay. LeBron's not stupid. He's not. Because he, Shaq's guy. talking about how LeBron shouldn't chase rings. Exactly. So when you, mean, t- when you tell me that, that makes you think. Well, when I hear that, and you say what you're saying now, it makes you think. Well, maybe LeBron doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't care about rings like that. He didn't sound like that guy last week when he was talking about the finals eating. Smart players, like cerebral players, cerebral players, like championship level players, Alonzo Wall. You know, <laughs> that didn't. They don't. They def, Those guys, you know, maybe could make a diss track for him. He could write. He could write KD and stuff a diss, but yeah. I don't know if they can help him on the court. Um. Yeah, he's got somebody. Uh, could be Paul George, could be Chris Paul, could be Kawhi Leonard. But there will be a super team. He has no control of the Kawhi Leonard situation, which is why I agree with you. I don't think that him acquiring codes. Because he, he he has no... I don't think Kawhi can get himself to L.A. Not if he, no, not if he really wanted to. Like, well, he could if he really wanted to. I kind of don't know if he's played this well. <laughs> In what regard? The public display of, I need to get to Los Angeles. I need to play for the Lakers. I think I think it's kind of made... I think it's turned off. the motive. I think it's, it's enhanced the motivation of not wanting to give him, to give him what he wants. Maybe he just says, I want to be traded or I want out. And, and the, Lakers the Spurs, come. Lakers come up with a great offer, and maybe they don't feel so salty about it. We saw this last year with Paul George. And also then it gives the Lakers a, a need to feel like, well, we can wait in free agency because he really wants to be here. Yeah. Like they did with Paul George. I ain't giving him nothing when I could sign him a year from now. Is there any avenue that Kawhi's not on the team next year? I mean, that not, is, not, is on the Spurs next year? Uh, no, no, he's done. I mean, I said this a while back as well. You know, no way so what, Kawhi was going to be there. I think I may, I may have moved off from that. A little bit in the recent weeks, I may have said uh, maybe it was an outside shot, but this obviously. I, I mean, player is that good. Play. I feel like it's harder for the team not to eventually pull the trigger because there's going to be a good, a decent offer. Somebody's going to. I I think the value that they're going to get back for Kawhi Leonard will be surprisingly large. Really? So you think they'll actually end up getting a great package yeah, for him? Like a relatively great package. Like they they're not going to get chump change. This will be better than Jimmy Butler and Paul George. Because he's a much better player than Jimmy Butler and Paul. I do agree with like, that. Like, he's in a, a tier above those guys. And he's in the, there really is no tier above Kawhi Leonard besides LeBron. I've kind of been sneakingly impressed and, and, and proud of how the media has covered him as a superstar super player. I, I wasn't sure if they would do it that. Maybe it's because it's sensational and he's, being, he's about to be traded. But, like, I feel like I've had conversations with people who did not think that he was that level caliber player. And... That has not been the case the last this since he made this announcement. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, which was like last Friday, I guess. I, honestly, I think the reason why, I mean, we didn't really get this with Kyrie, but that was a whole LeBron thing too. But um, I think the reason why is because he's won a championship. So I think people, there is no question, even right. though he wasn't the best player at the time, or wasn't like the clearest star. 
Um, he's won final MVP and he's won a championship. So it's like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna say about Kawhi Leonard? You gonna say he's overrated? I mean, there, I mean, there have been the occasional pe- person that feels like he's not like. I mean, like Skip Bayless feels like he's not the the go to guy, I, I number one. I wouldn't even mention Skip Bayless on this show. That's <laughs> what he has to say. So like, there are there are people that like that haven't loved the move that Kawhi Leonard's made, but at the same time, there. What can you say? But what can't you say about the guy? I mean, he's or what can you say about the guy? The guy is one of the easily one of the ten best players in the NBA. So yeah, I mean, aren't we elite level? I mean. Best. If you're talking about like two K like Hall of Fame badge like defender, that's what he is like yeah. elite level, as good as it gets defensive player, an all time great defensive player, and then the guy who can score twenty five points a game at an efficient clip. I mean, he's a great player. Obviously, I'm. I just. I mean, I said I feel like this is not the same energy I had from people when I was trying to tell them he was a superstar years ago, when he was doing this stuff, not when he was hurt, and people like, oh, I don't know about that. I'm like, yo, he's obviously a top five. Guy, top 10 caliber guy, he's a superstar. And I'm just, I'm happy that people have given him that respect because he, without question, deserves it. Uh, let's move the focus now to this NBA draft, Kendall. Um, I got to say, I think this NBA draft is the most unpredictable draft I think maybe I've ever followed in terms of going into it. Um, maybe the Bennett draft was like that too, which is why Bennett went number one probably. That was also like I didn't know what was gonna happen, and then like oh, yeah. Remember we and went uh, the that? Earth shook when Cleveland took Anthony Bennett number one. That was probably the other one that was really crazy. But I feel like that one was also crazy because I think that we all kind of knew the talent level wasn't great. Oh, it was a terrible and we, draft. And we were, but even beforehand, like we ended up being terrible. Oh, we knew it was a terrible draft. Yeah, yeah like I think I think it was bad because we all were kind of reaching like, okay, who's the star in this? Like Darren the well, we thought was like had to go number one, and he come off an ACL. I don't yeah. think we ever had a. I don't. I don't can't remember the last time we had a number one pick come off an ACL. Right. No people who thought that he should be. He number was like one. he was the only guy that could possibly go number one, like talent wise. Yeah. It was like I mean he's the only number one pick in this draft, and he went like five or six. Six. Yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting how that all worked out, Kendall. But uh, talking about this draft, I think it's not the same. I think that this draft is unpredictable, not because the talent level is bad. I think it's because the talent level. I think people feel like I think they're pro. I think it's because it's really even. Because I think we came into this draft thinking maybe there was one tier of Aiton and Doncic, and then like then another tier with Bagley, Jaron Jackson, Bamba, uh, maybe Wendell Carter, maybe Michael Porter, and then Trey Young, and then like an obvious third tier. But it seems like as we're getting closer and closer, that those tiers are kind of just all kind of collided. Well, I feel like I don't know if there really are clear tiers anymore. There may be a clear from like tier the, from the league perspective. Yes, right. Like I think, yeah, I think maybe from 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 like us types or the right. draft types. I think there is still. I yeah. think people still people feel still like understand. Like, but I think from the league standpoint, and this could end up just being everyone throwing crazy smoke screens. But I do think it's also happening. We're hearing everything from everywhere. But we're hearing, yeah, we're hearing every kind of scenario possible. One that includes Trey Young not being drafted in the top 10. One that includes him being drafted number three. We hear uh, Bagley outside the top five, and then mock draft stay saying he's going number two. Uh, Porter. Dodgers falling to five, and he was talked about being possibly number one. I mean, ESPN's mock draft a couple, of years, a couple of weeks ago, Woj had Michael Porter going 16 to Washington. And 
we're also hearing that Sacramento at number two might be willing to draft him there. So there's clearly been massive movements. Kevin Knox seems like a player that's skyrocketing. A guy who I did not think was going to be top ten. Now the Knicks are seriously looking at him at eight. LeBron's camp apparently really likes Colin Sexton, whatever that means. Who knows what that can be for a lot of different teams. <laughs> We'll do a team that's trying to recruit him, trade up to get him. Does I mean, Cleveland say, oh, Cleveland take a shot at him. We're going to draft Colin Sexton because I mean, we want LeBron. There are a lot of weird things happening that I don't think, I, can, I can't remember a time with a good draft where I was like, yo, this is like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm legitimately coming to this Thursday not knowing what's going to happen, but that doesn't mean we're not going to try to piece this together. So I want to start off talking about the picks through one through five. So, of course, you got Phoenix at number one, Sacramento at two, Atlanta at three. Memphis at four, Dallas at five. I want to say that I think that Phoenix will definitely go with eight and at one, but you're not so sure. I if I mean if I were a betting man, I would say that Phoenix will draft DeAndre Ayton. But when I look at Phoenix, they're looking at a lot of guys, man. Very similar to how the Celtics last year looked at a lot of guys at their number one. It's kind pick. of similar how the Cavs were looking at a lot of guys when they drafted Bennett. Exactly. Um... I remember last year, everyone assumed, including me, you know, that Marco Fultz would go number one. You know, LeVar Ball kept saying Markel's going number one to Boston. And I was I, I was fine with that. That was my guy. Um, but Danny Ainge was steadfast in, in saying every chance he, he had that he's looking at Marco Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. He would always say those four guys. It was always weird because I'm like, there's no way you're drafting Jason Tatum or Josh Jackson. Especially right. Jason Tatum, number one. You know, that makes no sense. Um, and Lonzo Ball just didn't feel like a Danny Ainge type guy. So I thought he was messing around, but lo and behold, you know, he takes works out all those guys except for Josh Jackson because Jackson was didn't want to be in Boston for whatever reason. Right. Ball was like, I ain't I ain't going to I ain't going anywhere but LA. But um, they do their due diligence and they end up saying, oh, you know what, we like Tatum better, and they draft Jason Tatum. Um, when I look at uh, what Phoenix is doing, they looked at they've worked out Mo Bamba, Jaron Jackson, Marvin Bagley, and they've met with Luka Doncic overseas in Madrid. That tells me that they're doing their due diligence, and they've also obviously worked out DeAndre Ayton. Um, I think there's a chance that they do not draft DeAndre Ayton. I don't think it's a lock that he's going there. Um, I think if they keep the pick, he will be the pick. But I think there's a chance that they trade down or they trade out of the pick entirely. I mean, right now, the Vegas odds, plenty of Vegas odds right now have them as a favorite to get Kawhi Leonard. For really? whatever, whatever that means, if you're into the whole Vegas knows things before we do, then they seem to, for whatever reason, think Kawhi Leonard is going to end up in Phoenix. Of course, the draft is this week. You're the Suns. Should they do that? <sighs> that seems... It seems- Insane. Yeah, that seems like a massive risk. Seems insane. Um, how good does Kawhi Leonard make that team? Because they're by far the worst team in the league last year. Well, we talked to Dave King. Shout out to Dave King, uh, SP Nation, Suns blog. Um, he 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 kept referencing in his in like kind of just talking to the franchise and what they've kind of been saying that they seem to be in a mindset that they have to immediately start to compete in a way that allows them to see some kind of vision moving forward that includes veteran players. Remember, 
Yeah. It was a lot of it was like we can't just keep drafting young guys. Like they got it. Like that that this was gonna be the beginning of an off season where they look towards veterans and and actually trying to win games. That seems so odd to me in that conversation because of how far away they are, and because they actually have tried that a little bit. Like they signed uh, Tyson Chandler. Uh, didn't they sign? Didn't Jared Dudley? Wasn't that like kind yeah, of yeah, a lot of money they gave yeah, to him? Like thirty-two million. Yeah, like I feel like they they have given money to like veteran type guys. They have flamed out spectacularly, but I feel like it's not like they haven't tried that necessarily. Yeah, they tried to get Lamarcus Aldridge, and they tried to go after Aldridge. So it's not like they haven't completely tried that already. So I was a little surprised when he said that, but when you match what he told us with what this stuff about Vegas and thinking the that Kawhi. We watched, the draft. That, we watched the NBA draft, draft mo- combine. Uh, combine, and I, I didn't. I'm surprised it didn't make way massive waves when he said that we we're looking at trading out the pick as a possibility. And I think maybe for people, a star player, yeah, for a star player specifically, I just kept saying they need to, it needs to be Russell Westbrook. But maybe he saw something with now, Kawhi Leonard. The key word in that phrase he also mentioned was a star player with, that they had contractual control of. That is true. They, which they have, won't have that with Kawhi Like, Carl Anthony Towns is the guy you would have contractual control of. You'd have control of Westbrook, yeah. Towns. Those are the two guys Anthony that make da- sense. Anthony Davis. Yeah, AD, Giannis. Those are the right. guys that you would probably trade in for. Kawhi, Kyrie, those guys are going to leave in a year if you get them, unless you do something with them. So, also is, interesting. It, so is it coming from – so, I mean, we don't know if this is true, but then would it – has he changed in philosophy? Has he melted from the pressure? Or is it not like Aiden? Or is it coming from ownership? Who's like, yo, I gotta see results, son. Like, and we got a star player out there. Like, we can't just we got the number one pick. Like, we gotta make a move here. Yeah, you know, does like Devin Booker? Remember what Devin Booker said after the season? I'm done. He's like, this, done is, this is my last year not making the playoffs. Right. He was adamant. It was weird because I'm like, dude, your team got no shot. <laughs> yeah, I'll okay, who they drafting to? Yeah, no shot. They could draft Ben Simmons, you team still not making the playoffs. But, so, it was strange. Uh, and it almost sounded like a threat, like, I, I'm going to want out if we don't make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, or at the trade deadline, if we're not going to make the playoffs, I'm going to want out. Um, so that makes you wonder if maybe they're doing this for Devin Booker. Because Devin Booker, everything we've heard, Ryan McDonough has said that Devin Booker is, like, their LeBron. Like, he's, like... The guy he goes to, that's his right-hand man. Like, they're in constant communication about what the team's going to do. So, if that's the case, and Devin Booker maybe suggests, look, if you can get Kawhi Leonard, go out and get Kawhi Leonard. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure that's something that a player would do. He may not want Luka Doncic or DeAndre Aiden. He spoke highly of both of them in the media, but he may feel like, look, I don't think those guys are going to win me a ton of basketball games as teammates. Now, yeah. if you're San Antonio, would you trade Kawhi Leonard for the number one pick, a straight up, or do you have to? Or you gotta Josh get, Jackson? gotta get, gotta have salary. Well, you I gotta mean, get salary back. I think Phoenix has cap space because they're yeah, trying. To I don't know if they have twenty million dollars with the cap space. Oh, well, they might if they. Have. You know, they might if even they might find a way to create it. You might need to take Tyson Chandler back. You might need to take someone right. else. But would it with the number one pick and or Josh Jackson be enough? Um. Because that's the other question. Maybe it's not the number one pick. Maybe it's Josh Jackson. I mean, I, I would. I think that's not a. I, I don't think that's a bad package. But I guess my question for them would be: Was the, is Pop ready for, to like? Is he ready to rebuild? I mean, because now you're starting with two nineteen on. and twenty year old kids. I mean, now 
Is he, you know, maybe he could think that he could be like the Celtics and like That's I could mix, mix these young guys with like veteran core, but Kyrie ain't walking through that door. Al Horford ain't walking through that door. You know, there's there's a little bit of a different scenario there. So I don't know. Um, I that number one pick could be enticing, but a lot of it you still got to attach it to a player, and is Aiton that much better than a lot of the other guys they maybe could get on the on the tra- on the on the trade market? And that's a question I'm not 100 percent sure about. But uh, I'm sure for San Antonio it would be enticing for them to try that. What about um, the rest of this this top five? So we got Sacramento at two, Trey, uh, Atlanta at three, Memphis at four, and Dallas at five. I feel like all of these teams, uh, they're all very bad, and they're all bad in a way in which they kind of could use any type of player, which is kind of why this is – I think that's part of the reason why this is so – chaotic because we're in a draft this is a big man draft but there are some guards and some players kind of sneaking around that maybe get into that top five and it's a it's a group of teams that don't obviously say okay we got a franchise center we got a franchise point guard maybe only Dallas you look at and say we have a franchise point guard that we wouldn't draft a point guard to to go next to him every one of those other teams every position is a possibility Memphis I know you could say, well, they got a point guard in center. Those guys are old, and they have like $500 million tied to them. So they will gladly draft a young guy to play next to those guys. They don't. It won't matter that those guys are there. They're going to try to get rid of those guys as soon as they can, if it's even possible. With, Atlanta, with, you would they, think. Atlanta's a complete blank slate. Sacramento, you could argue they have a point guard, but after that, complete blank slate. So... That I think also kind of creates a little bit of the the, Memphis, the, the situation where we don't know where they, where they're gonna go because they can go anywhere. Memphis is the weirdest team I think in this draft because they probably have. I mean, there are some weird owners in the NBA. Robert Robert Parra is up there in terms of the weird. I don't I'm not sure if he knows what he's doing in terms of running a team type owner. Uh, Vivek is up there, but I think Vivek. The thing Vivek about maybe kind of saving him. Vivek, yeah, I know, right? Because we don't talk about him, but I think maybe because we have another young or not young, a newer owner who. Seems even less competent. See, so the thing far. about Vivek that I'll give him a pass is that he seems to try and put people around him. Like, I don't he think does. Vivek feels like he knows everything in the sense that, like, I don't need basketball people around me. I'm going to do this myself. Yeah. He surrounds himself with legends and former Kings legends and NBA legends and analytics people. He tries. He just sometimes he gets, he feels like he knows, again, sometimes he does feel like he knows everything and he makes the decision. At the end of the day, when you're a billionaire like he is and you're used you to think you're smart. being the man. He's a CEO. He tries to run yeah, it like a CEO. He, at the end of the day, he's going to want to be the guy. Um, you got to respect it, but sometimes know. in the NBA, that doesn't work for an owner who but, does, hasn't played a game or anything like yeah. that. Um, so with Robert Perra, he said recently that he wants the Grizzlies to win 50-plus games next year. That... Again, seems impossible. Um, I mean, in this draft, like you, is Colin gonna get a new, some new Achilles, yeah, and exactly. some new feet, <laughs> some knees? Is course, all I mean, I mean, if that if that happens, I mean, then it's like completely crazy. But it, those guys are so broken down. Zebo right gonna and Tony Allen gonna come back and rewind the clock three, four years. I don't think so. I, I unless they move out of number four. If I, uh, Doncic is the only guy I think that could really, really help them. Yeah, where would, where would you go? You go Doncic if you can. If he was there, oh, I mean, I, I run to the. What if Doncic isn't there? What if Sacramento? I, I don't him? think he'll be there, um, or I think somebody will trade him. I don't, no way, I think he gets the four. I think two or three would be a trade if they didn't want him. Uh, but if he were there, I would take him. But if he weren't there, 
I mean, depends on the philosophy. If you're trying to win games, I'm taking Mo Bamba. If you're not, if you don't care, um, and you're like, we just gotta take the biggest risk. I'm taking Michael Porter. You think Bamba helps the most ready to win? Yeah, him next to Gasol. I mean, coming off the bench, you know, like he'll be an NBA player. Right, Jaron Jackson, I think as well, but Jackson's very raw. I don't know if he's gonna be able to stay on the court because of foul trouble and awareness, that kind of stuff. Um, Bagley, I don't think will be there. But if Bagley's there, that's another guy that could have really helped them. But Bagley, I don't know how much he impacts winning. I know Bamba, defensively, is such a high-impact player that he can help you win. The thing about Memphis is that they're going to be scared off by the whole Hashim Tabit thing. Right. Which I imagine might be the reason why they don't pick Bamba if he's there. I just I just really would like to know him. You're saying that Power is talking about winning 50 games. I really would want to talk to Chris Wallace. Um uh, let's put Chris Wallace on the imaginary list of people we need to get on this show that we keep talking about. I keep bringing up on a weekly basis, whether it be hero talk or sports talk. Um, I love to talk to Chris Wallace about what exactly is the vision that Memphis is going for. Uh, in, in our lead up to the draft, I feel like Memphis is a team we've kind of neglected. So I'm kind of sitting on them for a little bit right now because I, I feel like I know in the top five, I kind of know what these other four teams are trying to do. Memphis, I don't have any clue. I can't say they're trying to tank, because they just paid, they just gave Mike Conley the super max at the time. They just gave Gasol the max before him. So I can't say they're trying to tank. And I think some of the tanking they've done recently has been like a circumstance due to injury. But it just seems like they're a team that's kind of not, they don't have an identity. Uh, they don't have a lot of young players on that team that you look at towards the future. The guys they have seem like they've seen their best days, and there's a lot of money tied to them. Uh, I think Chris Wallace has a lot of explaining to do. I would gladly be that cross-examiner and ask him what exactly are they trying to do. Some of it could be the owner as well. Maybe saying, look, I need to get these guys back at whatever the cost is. But I feel like they, they're they they're in a, a tanking situation, but with no cat space. And with their best assets such so so poorly contractually signed right now, there's no way to move them to get anything of value. It's a tough period for Memphis. I feel like this pick I think they, I think this pick might be most crucial for them out of all these teams in the top five. Because they they have no hope moving forward and they're they're so strapped financially that with the money Dwindling, I, I'm very concerned about what their situation is going for. They got to get That's a why star player to trade who can start, and hopefully they can attach this pick to trade down and trade Parsons so it'll open up some sort of flexibility for this team. <coughs> but if you're Memphis, you need to get a player. I don't know who that guy is. I, again, if Doncic or Bagley are there, then those are probably the guys. But if they're not. Then I think Bomba's the only guy there that could really help you next it, year. Sacramento at two. Where do you think they go? That's where the draft starts. I think. Not uh, yeah, probably. I think whoever, if someone trades up for number one, it's because the draft in eight. I think. I'm not. You're not convinced by I'm that. I'm not convinced. I don't think Aiden is by far the consensus number one guy. In the draft. Who else could someone be trading up for? Is it Doncic? Yeah, yeah. Doncic is another guy that he. I don't. It, there are going to be teams that I think have Doncic number one on their boards. I, I don't know who it may not. It, my guess is that it's probably seventy thirty Aiden mm-hmm. around the league, you know. But if the Spurs trade up for number one, do you think it'd be for Aiden or for Doncic? 
It wouldn't surprise me if the Spurs leaned at Doncic. I think you can go either way. Um, they also had David Robinson. And David Robinson and Tim Duncan. <laughs> They've had a lot of success with international players yeah, on the so. on the perimeter with Tony Parker and Ginobili. You know, like I so I could see it going either way, but assuming Aiden goes one, I I think right now I think Doncic goes two if Sacramento's picking. I think there's also a good chances of trade and Doncic goes two. Um, I would be surprised if Doncic wasn't the second pick in draft. Sacramento always is a wild card. I feel like the more closer and closer we get, I think they've been trying to play coy with a lot of people, and I think their their plan is to straight is to draft Doncic unless they get a massive deal. I think this whole thing about how they don't really know who they want and they might really like Bagley. They don't like him. I don't buy that at all. I really don't. The more I'm looking at this, I feel like it just it seems like that's gonna end up being their guy, and that they're hoping that hey if we get some crazy package. I mean, we'll trade down yeah. and we'll get a Bagley or someone else at a lesser, at a lower number. You know, if Dallas is that really excited about Doncic, and it's the word is that they, they he's their number one guy, that they would trade the world to get him. I'm sure they'd be fine with doing that kind of trade. But I think that I would be also surprised on draft day if Doncic was number two. I, 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 I know we're seeing a lot of momentum in a lot of different places, but I think he'll end up being the guy. Uh, let's talk about the, the, the picks after that, Kendo, 6 through 10. So you got Orlando, Chicago, Cleveland, New York, and Philadelphia. Um, where do you want to start? I'm going to let you actually start where, where you want to go. Where, what, what part of this uh, slot are you, are you really Orlando curious about? will not, I don't think, be picking at 6. I, I don't know why. Okay. I don't know who's going to, I don't know what's going to happen. Why do you feel this way? You say you don't know why, but I mean, there's got to be some inkling. Well, you can't I, just make random predictions on the show. I, there's just been very little talk about what Orlando wants to do. Uh, maybe it's because Orlando's barely in the NBA, so nobody <laughs> cares. Or maybe it's because they don't even they don't even know what they're going to do because they plan on trading the pick. But there's just been very little talk about Orlando, and they seem to be the hot spot of, of teams around the league that people feel like we can give them a player that we have and trade into this draft. Um... People have talked about Boston giving Terry Rozier and future draft picks to Orlando and Orlando being like, fine. People talked about Kemba Walker being traded to Orlando for the sixth pick and Orlando being like, we'll take Kemba. I don't, for whatever reason. God, I hope for Kemba's, Kemba's sake that he doesn't have to play there. Charlotte's not that much better, but yeah, I see what you're saying. So I, if they draw Orlando, I would draft, I would make the draft pick. But at the same time, they got Jonathan Isaac last year who did nothing for them. They drafted that, Mario Hazonia um, before that. Uh, is there a player at six that you would anticipate people targeting? I anticipate whoever's trading or Orlando at six is going to take Michael Porter. That seems to be the spot I think where you will trading. not get him after this. Like, like if you if you don't take him here, he's going the next three or four teams is a high chance he's going to go. Right. You got Chicago, who he's just been attached to this entire time. You got New York. I mean, Cleveland. Who may definitely need that like splash star once LeBron leaves New York? He's been attached to and Philly. He ain't and going Philly, past. huh? He ain't going past. No way he's going past Philly. So if there's a trade at six, I I will make a stone cold lock on this show. Michael Porter will be going to someone, some new team that will have a rookie and will have lost a star I think player Trae or Young some player would be the other that they guy. like on their team. And like if Porter might not even be there at that time, but you think like, a team will trade up with Trey Young too? I think so. I don't know. I don't know who. It might be Philly. It might be a team that that's only trading a couple of spots to get ahead of 
Cleveland, New York, and because I think Trey Young and Michael Porter have been attached to all those teams, those teams seven through ten. And I know this is the next tier, but the, the, you get the I just get the feeling the Clippers are eyeing something big. I mean, we know that because yeah. they, they they want Kawhi Leonard, they want Paul George, yeah. but I they see those I keep like, seeing those two picks at twelve and thirteen. It's like they're not gonna be content. And with two I, average I just prospects. can't imagine that they came into this draft being like we're totally fine with like just these Lonnie Walker and Shane regular Gilles two Alvin. guys. Like and like those guys could be great, but like I, I just feel like Giant. I feel like Jerry West didn't sign up for this. Yeah, I look at them and I look at that number six pick, and I look at Orlando and see a zillion holes. I look at L.A. and look at a team that's like not that bad, and like maybe they could be willing to they like give up two player. picks to get like what they think could be a franchise player. If I'm gonna make a bold prediction, I'm gonna say look at that swap. Look at a, a eleven and t- a twelve and thirteen for 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 six, and Orlando. I don't say about them. I mean, I wouldn't feel great if I was a Magic fan if that happened. Like I'd feel like, yo, like, we still don't have a star. We don't man. have anybody. Now we're getting more average young guys. Yeah. But I think for them, it might be worth a, give them two amassing, shots. Yeah, give yeah, them two swings one, at a star. They definitely have needed two swings with the recent draft they had. But also. I think they kind of might need to amass a lot of young players and then see if maybe that could mean be like they turn into a trade for someone else. Um, everything we've heard about the Clippers is that they like either Porter or Doncic. So those seem like the two guys that would make sense in Jerry West's playbook of like star power and Bamba. I think I've also heard Jerry West really likes Mo Bamba. So those are the three guys that have like the star power that would match uh, what the Clippers might be looking for. We talked about Michael Porter. He just recently canceled a workout that included the Knicks, uh, included the Sixers, I believe. Yeah, yeah, a hip injury. Yeah, it was a hip injury. He says it was uh, exaggerated by the media. Uh, I think it was a fake injury. I... It seems weird that you, unless he was seriously hurt, that you'd be canceling workouts for a guy who has the biggest medical red flag rating one in the top ten. I, I think that that does was he have put a problem? Yeah, I think that was put out there. Is it Chicago? Very well, could be Chicago. It makes sense. For, like, Sacramento, I don't think he would accept a promise from. Uh, I feel Memphis like it's, wouldn't accept a promise I from. feel like I, I can't remember the last time being a Knicks fan, a player has canceled a workout for the Knicks. I know, right? Exactly. That, that does not happen. Exactly. That's, That's where extremely I feel like. rare. That's where I feel like it's got to be a team now, that he really wants to go to. free agents cancel meetings all the time with the Knicks. But rookies... That's, every rookie wants to get to New York. They're thinking, like, look, they suck, but I could be the guy who turns them around, and the endorsement money could be crazy. And so everyone works out with the Knicks. I, the Knicks have worked out every player, pretty much, it seems like. David in the top ten, any guy who's in their ballpark will gladly work out with the Knicks. Uh, Kevin Knox and Bridges agreed to work out against each other, which never happens in the draft anymore, in the draft process. That's how bad guys want to get to New York. As a drafted player, so when I heard he dra- he canceled a group workout that the Knicks were invited to, that told me that someone ahead of them agreed to to, to draft him. It's got to be a team you'd rather be there than New York. And I can't imagine that's Cleveland. And Chicago is a place that I can see where he would say, "Yeah, I, I'm cool, very cool, going seven to Chicago than nine to New York." Yeah, I mean Chicago. Just a similar situation, really, in terms of roster. And you don't have to go through a workout and possibly look yeah. not that great or get exposed. If someone's telling you, yo, you've done enough, we'll we'll draft you. And I think if you come into this draft, you're a porter. And an agent also the Chicago base. If you get drafted at 
seven, I think coming into this process, you had to feel good. You had to say, look, I played no, basically played no games last year, at a back injury, I'm which I think, pick. I think of all the injuries, I think is one that people look at very closely. Like I feel like if it was like an arm or something, like they wouldn't. Yeah, yeah shoulder injury. The only thing worse. The way I would care. Yeah, a knee or an Achilles would be the only thing that would be worse than a back. So he's got kind of a very obvious, like, well, okay, this is a little scary. This is something that can end someone's career early. Not the injury, but just the back could be be debilitating. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that I think people looked at. If he came out of this draft and was drafted seven, I think he'd have to feel. And he's going to to Chicago. And and a, a big market. I think a team that is building something, I don't think that they're at ground zero. They showed that. They were much better than a lot of people thought they were going to be. I would say that that would be a win for him, which is why I think that that is exactly what's going to happen. I think he will be a Chicago ball. That makes sense. You know, Mark Bartlestein is the agent. Um, same guy that got Doug McDermott to Chicago. Yeah. Because uh, of those connections. Um, would make plenty of sense. They're the only team that got his medical report. Uh, those two sides have been, uh, you know, flirting with each other for a while now. For years. Yeah, and I think that um, I don't know how I love the fit of him in marketing, but I think in the, the modern NBA, again, that idea that you need this bruising center just might not be the case anymore. So you're not protecting the rim at all, but you're going to have a lot of skill if you pair him in marketing in the front court, a lot of shooting, and the Bulls will now look like a, a more modern NBA team if that is indeed the pairing. Uh, we are, again, New Yorkers. I'd be remiss if we didn't really dive into the Knicks on this show. My dad would kill me if we didn't dive into the Knicks in this show. Where do you think the Knicks will, who, who will the Knicks end up with in this draft, Kendall? They're number nine of, here. A lot of smoke so, about uh, Kevin Knox. You look at the, the history, EJ, of the number nine pick. Um, it's very impressive. Um, let, me, let me see if I can pull it up. What I will say about the Knicks, though, is that... Um, I would, my guess is that the Knicks will end up with uh, Kevin Knox. There's just been a lot of uh, rumors about his workout going really good. Um, he killed his workout in New York, apparently destroyed Miles Bridges. I wasn't there. So I can't tell you if that actually happened, but that's what's the word. He, apparently, he also if, looked if really... If that did not happen, then Miles Bridges needs to fire Rich Paul. I know, right? If that did not happen, he's... Because Miles Bridges, as far as... It, as far as Nick fans are concerned, we we think he's a bum. The based on the way the runaway momentum is with Knox and what he did to bridge in this workout, if that didn't happen, then his agents and his team has done a terrible job. Unless they don't really don't want him to be in New York, which wouldn't be the it'd be surprising, but it wouldn't be the most surprising thing considering the LeBron, Phil Jackson thing. Maybe LeBron called them a posse, you know, Phil Jackson called them a but posse. But he loved David Fisdale. So that, that is true. So yeah, so yeah, it's just adding that. Yeah, it kind of doesn't make much sense. So that's the case. Rich Paul like they were talking. Would clearly, be asleep at the wheel. Well, I've heard and not paying attention to what's going like, on. Mills and Perry talked to Rich Paul about Fizdale. Like, should we bring in Fizdale? And he really? Was, yeah. Which interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Very interesting. But he, and Rich Paul was in communication with them. That is very uh, interesting. Um, which at the time maybe they they might end up with Miles Bridges, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's still a possibility. But there's been no. Smoke about them getting Miles Bridges, uh, and besides him, besides Knox, you have to think it'll come down to one of these four or five guys. You have P- Porter, if he falls, which mm-hmm. I don't think he'll be there. So I'll kind of wipe out Porter. I don't think he'll drop to nine. 
Trey Young. Who's uh, just the complete wild card. Yeah, I don't think anyone knows where he's going to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Trey Young, Wendell Carter, uh, Kevin Knox, Mikael Bridges. Mm-hmm. One of those four guys will likely be a New York Nick. If I'm, I, you know I'm a Nick fan, Kendall. Who would I want out of those guys? You're, you've watched all these guys play several times. High school. You know all these guys. I've watched them, but I know I defer a lot to you when it comes to NBA draft stuff. If I'm an, as a Nick fan, talk to Nick fans out there. Who should they want out of those guys? I agree. I think that that is a realistic idea of the guys that Nick are looking at and the guys who could possibly be available. If I were the decision maker, I'm not drafting Mikael Bridges. Um, from that group, I'm picking between Trey Young and Wendell Carter. Pick, you know, whatever you feel like. I think both those guys are two two of the better guys out of that group. Um, if you prefer a big man to pair with Porzingis, I mean, some of that's going to depend on what do you think Cantor and O'Quinn are going to do. Yeah. How do you feel about Frank at the point and Moody and Burke? That's stuff that I don't know how the Knicks feel. But if they feel like point guard is a real need, I'll go Trey Young. If they feel like big man is more of a necessity, I'll go Wendell Carter. Both of them aren't on the board, which is also very possible. And probably very likely. Now you're picking between probably Knox and uh, Bridges. Mikael Bridges or Miles Bridges. I'll go Miles Bridges over Mikael Bridges, but it's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I'd probably go Kevin Knox okay. because I think Knox has the upside that Mikael Bridges doesn't have. I think Bridges from day one might be a better player. I don't even think that's the case, but he might be a better player. But what I do know is that he's also twenty, going to be 22 years old, whereas Knox is going to be 19. And they're comparable talents already. And Knox was playing in a system in Kentucky that has hurt a countless number of players. That's the thing about Knox that's interesting, is that Knox is a, a very gifted, talented offensive player. Um, I think I think if you're a Knicks fan or any fan, or UK fan especially, you wish maybe the three-point numbers were a little better. 34%, not that impressive. Um, definitely seems to be a guy who kind of plays as a one-on-one guy in the mid-range. Sells for some tough shots every now and then. But one thing about Knox, as you said, is that it seems like with the guys at Kentucky, the guys that can play, they their games are so like compacted to be one specific thing. And a lot of guys end up having more ability than maybe we realize. So Devin Booker and Kevin Cat being the obvious major uh guys. But then even Anthony Davis, I think, will be another example. A guy who I think clearly had more games than even he showed. At UK. So I feel like with those guys, could not be in that next category. His game, to me, suggests that you would think that with the way he plays and the way they kind of used him, that they did use him in the ways that he would be effective. But I just never know. Like, again, I thought Cat was a bruising low post big man, and now he's shooting threes. Like, I like you can't really... Cal has a vision for his team that he feels is going to make them the best to get them the best chance to win. He pigeonholes guys into roles, whether you like it or not. He, it's hard to debate some of it because like, he did win a national championship. He did go to the Final Four, go to the national championship with another team. So he has had some success. But for evaluating NBA players, he has made it very difficult for me. So Knox is interesting in that regard. Of those guys that you named, I would probably draft Trey Young. I don't think that Frank and Trey Young is an issue because I think Frank... One, Frank always will have value in my team because he's an excellent defensive player. So the idea that I may draft on the point guard and that may 
slow his development or whatever. When you got a guy who's six foot six and plays defense the way he does, I'm he's gonna find a, a way to go on the floor. Yeah. So it's not like oh I'm drafting the point guard. It means I hate Frank. Like, so when the Celtics drafted Rozier right after Smart. Right. My thing is, look, I need like eight guys to play on my team, and I think of those guys who could give me the biggest impact immediately. I think it's Trey Young. So if he was there, I would not pass up on him. I could see a scenario where him and Frank are playing in the backcourt because Frank's so good defensively. Where if there are teams with bad shooting guards, maybe you could hide them, hide Trey Young and those guys, and then Frank's guarding the point guard. I don't think that. F- Frank's position on the team would have anything to do with why I wouldn't draft Trey Young, or make it even make or make it an indictment on Frank. Uh, Frank realistically is a promising young player who has a lot of work to do on his offensive game, particularly with his handle. So I can't assume that I'm just gonna not draft the point guard because of where he is in his development. He's still to me a developing player. Doesn't mean he still can't be a great player, but he's he is what he is right now. So knowing that. I got to look at it and say, okay, I got a guy who can shoot the ball from deep. Knicks have been one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA for the last you know, three or four years in terms of makes and attempts. They don't get a lot of shots up. This guy is going to get shots up from behind the arc. You're going to get those three-point opportunities. And one of the biggest things the Knicks have lacked has been a guy who could break down your defense, get into the paint, and get other guys open. Get those wide-open threes. Get those lobs for KP. We saw Frank do a little bit of that this season. And when he did, it was spectacular. Those alley-oops to Porzingis on those pick-and-rolls. And we got just a little bit of a taste of that from Frank. Trey Young has a chance to be electric in those kind of pick-and-roll situations with someone like Porzingis. Porzingis hasn't had that kind of running mate. He can get it with a guy like Trey Young. I would not pass him up if I was the Knicks. Um, if he's not there, I think your choice of Knox, uh, maybe Carter, Bridges, McHale, He's a good player. I don't see Star. That doesn't mean you should draft him, but I don't see Star. I don't think he fits on the Knicks. I think Philly. They need a small forward. And I think he would play the small forward position for them. And then they'd be looking for another small forward in a couple years. You just don't think that. So you just don't think he's that good. I think for Philly, I think he could work. I think he could be. Why would he work with Philly and not New York? Because New York, they're going to need somebody that could. Offensively, take pressure off Porzingis, and offensively, somewhat shoulder the load when he's out there. The Knicks clearly were like a one-man show when, even when Porzingis was playing well, that they didn't right. have other guys. That's not going to change with Mikhail Bridges at all. Right. Knox, if he pans out, Carter and Young, that will change. Right. Assuming those guys are all decent players, even if Bridges is like half of what you would hope he would be, he's still not. An offensive player, he's still a defensive guy first in a three and D. He's a better Lance Thomas. That isn't necessarily what the Knicks are looking at. Um, Knox again, Carter Young, maybe even Miles Bridges, maybe even Lonnie Walker, Shea Gilles Alexander. All those guys do that better than Mikel Bridges. Do you think in Philly where he they need they, him? They, they need don't more need more of a guy who could just shoot and play defense, play a role, yeah, play a role, be a running you man know. for a guy like Simmons. I like that fit better than I would like Wendell Carter, or than I would like me even maybe even Trey Young, who needs a ball in a sense. When we look at these teams outside of the top ten, Kendall, uh, and I can go through the whole list, but you got Charlotte eleven. We talked about the Clippers twelve and thirteen, Denver fourteen, Washington fifteen, Phoenix has another pick at sixteen, Milwaukee seventeen, San Antonio eighteen, Atlanta nineteen, Minnesota twenty, uh, and so on and so forth. There's a whole 
obviously a whole first round. The playoffs, yeah. <laughs> yes, the only team that made the playoffs. Um, is there a particular team you look at and you say, they may not be drafting in the top 10? And let's take trading up out of the equation. Because, of course, maybe one of these teams trades up and then it ends up being a huge draft. It's very likely. Right. Which, yeah, could end up being very likely. But let's take that out of the equation for a sec. And just looking at these teams, is there any team you look at and say, I know they're drafting at this spot, but them picking at this spot, this could be a crucial draft pick for this team and it can change their life. Um, is there any team you look at from the from that perspective that you say, this is a team I'm looking at in this draft, and are there players that you look at for those teams where you say, this could be interesting, and maybe they become Utah-like, like Utah was last year with Donovan Mitchell at 14? Um... Well, I think this draft has a significant dip in the second half of the, the... No question. Outside of the lottery, I think the, the draft has a fairly significant dip. So, it's tough. I don't know if you're finding a Donovan Mitchell necessarily. Uh, I look at... I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm very in tune with what Boston's doing. So, I'm I'm intrigued, very certainly intrigued with where they will go. Uh, I think Brooklyn, though, I think could also be very interesting because... Brooklyn hasn't had a first round pick, it feels like, ever, you know. So they had Jared Allen last year where they brought in. Uh, I believe they might have traded up to get Karis Levert. Who, who, whose pick is this? How do they have this pick? Uh, I mean, going off of the records, I'm guessing that that is Houston um, or Toronto. Okay. Regardless, that might have been Damari Carroll. Yeah. Okay. Because Toronto had Damari Carroll and they dumped him. Right. They gave to him a first round pick to dump him. Um,. But they really helped themselves out by winning as many games as possible, so that didn't hurt them too. Yeah, much. exactly. Yeah. Not like it's the twentieth pick, right? Yeah, last pick in the first round, basically second rounder. But so I think for Brooklyn, it's important, and I think I mean we talked about San Antonio, them having another chance to draft eighteen. I, again, I think the biggest impact will come it through trades. Toronto, the team that is apparently trying to trade to get Shea Gilded Alexander. Uh, San Antonio obviously could be trading Kawhi Leonard for a draft pick in the lottery. Uh, Philly is at 10, and they could be using their two picks to trade up higher to get a certain player uh, who reportedly they like in the top five. We don't know who that guy is yet, but... Who was that, I'm sorry? Philly. Philly, okay. David Griffin, uh, future GM of the Sixers, apparently, is claiming that they're going to try and trade into the top five. So, um, And then Boston, we don't know what they're going to do, but... They could stand pat, or they could package Rozier, possibly Jalen Brown, who that seems unlikely, and a whole bunch of future draft picks to try and trade into the top 10 or 5. So there are so many of these teams in the playoffs that have options and avenues to get better. And Now, I don't know if a rookie's going to help you compete with Golden State, but certainly give you some some life going into next season. A couple of teams I look at, and I look at teams that perhaps disappointed this season, or not this one team, this definitely disappointed in the season, and one team disappointed in the playoffs. First team, uh, Washington at 15. Uh, Washington is in a weird situation, and they have a lot of soul searching to do. I don't think they had a pick last year, right? And they have a lot of soul searching to do this year, where okay, they're drafting 15, which is I think higher than they would have expected they would be drafting. There's, that's a chance to get a pretty good player at 15, a guy who would maybe play well for you next year if you get that pick right. Um, you're drafting that 15 for a team that kind of is, in theory, kind of set in terms of their starting lineup. Maybe you think they need a center, but they're not drafting that center at 15 who's going to start for them unless they get rid of Gortat. But 
I think whoever they trade for Gortat is going to be a starting center, or they're going to sign someone who could play that spot. So there's a they they have they don't really have a spot where I look at it and say, oh, they need a guy to play there like tomorrow. Like I, they, I've got a fit for Washington. Assuming, I mean, I mean, NBADraft.net has them getting Miles Bridges, which would be that would be yeah, that would be a best case scenario for them. But assuming Bridges is likely off the board there, I would love for them to get Robert Williams. Mm, okay. Why you talk about a big man. John Wall would love playing with Robert Williams. Bradley Bialdi would love playing with Robert Williams. He would be their Clint Capello, their DeAndre Jordan, their type of, that type of guy. Now, if Robert Williams ends up in Phoenix, the guy will be out of the league in a couple of years. He'll be a Marquise <laughs> Chris. You know, if he ends up in Milwaukee or Atlanta, he'll be in a rough. He'll be in rough shape, but. Playing with John Wall, he'll have a job for as long as he's in Washington. So that seems like a match made in heaven for both those teams. I feel like a team like Washington needs some shooting. Uh, Williams doesn't give you that. Bridges, I don't think, really gives you that either. I mean, you got Bradley Beal. And? Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I mean, Kelly Oubre, you hope, can develop some sort of jump shot. I'm sorry. the Kevin, I'm out of the Kelly Oubre experiment. He seems more interested in being the NBA swaggy, player. To be the next Swaggy P and J.R. Smith yeah. than, like, <laughs> being like yeah, a star player, I think he likes being a basketball player better than playing basketball. What being do you mean by NBA. that? He likes being an NBA player better than playing the NBA. I don't think he. I don't think he loves the game of basketball as much as he loves the things that come with the game of basketball. The money, the lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, playing. There are plenty of guys playing like his other star players. He's not exactly Drake. Call, Drake calling you a bum in the playoffs. Exactly. He, you know, he's and then after the game, he's saying, "Yeah, me and Drake are cool." Like it's like, oh, okay, Kelly and. You'll be with him in a couple of weeks when you're eliminated at the clubs, and, then, and he's not. Hindsight, that wasn't. I mean, he's a young guy. In hindsight, that was not a good quote. Yeah, I'm sorry. Any basketball player calls you, any guy calls you a bum. You, your, your response can't be, "Oh, I like that guy." Well, we're boys. That's it cannot be your response. But he's a young guy. Hopefully, he'll learn that. Hey. I just feel like Washington's a weird team. I think they're kind of a weird team, and they're in a spot where a really like a knock out of the park, Donovan Mitchell type of pick could completely change their life for a team that we think maybe should start rebuilding. And they're the team, I think, of that of the teams in that range have the best chance of doing it from an infrastructure standpoint. Like, Utah also, I mean, Utah traded up, obviously. But yeah, Utah both those teams were in a scenario fit. where the pick that they got, they got it right, was could, gonna, in, could immediately turn them into a very good team. Because Utah had room for a guy that needed that could be a 20-point scorer. Yeah, they, now, just, they just got rid of one. One guy just yeah. left, and they just... Popped another one in so that I same So I feel spot. like with Washington, most rookies aren't going to go into a situation where you got an all star point guard, all star playmaking guard. point guard that's gonna doesn't need that many shots. I mean, Beal needs his shots, but that also takes pressure off you offensively. So now you can come in and play a role. You might find your Jason Tatum if you're right. if you're Washington. It's gonna be tough at fifteen. You're not drafting at one or drafting at three, but there is a very good chance that and who knows maybe they trade up for all we know. Maybe they, you know, uh, they allocate all their picks to try and get whoever. Maybe it's Kevin Knox, who they feel, or Michael Porter, for all we know. Uh, the other team I, I look at as well, the team that disappointed in the playoffs is Portland. Are they going to say Minnesota? No, I don't say Portland at twenty. Minnesota is a dumpster fire. I don't. Uh, I don't wish any. I don't know going. what's going to happen. I don't know if the coach is going to be there. I don't know if he's going to make it through the off season. It's sad, man. It's crazy what's happening in Minnesota right now. You got everyone wanting to be traded, it sounds like. Jimmy Butler hates Wiggins. Cat hates T- 
Thibodeau. Tyus Jones asking for a trade. <laughs> Wiggins doesn't want to be there because he wants more shots. No, no way he's happy. Jamal Crawford's out of there. He's going to opt out. I mean, and the owner doesn't Jamal like Jamal Crawford's almost Thibodeau. 40 years old. He's opting out of contracts. That's a not a good look. <laughs> I know, right? That guy is not. I mean, he has, this guy has no rope. He's not. He has no safety net. Yeah. It's not guaranteed he's gonna get signed next year. He's like, nah, I'll pass. Like that. That things in Toronto, things in Minnesota are so bad. So I can't even talk about them. I will talk about Portland because I think Portland at twenty four is your weird. We drafting very low in the draft, but like we're still not that good. To where I don't think they could afford to just get a guy who's gonna be on the end of the bench next year. Assuming that they, assuming, and this is a big assumption, right? Who I still think could have played yeah, for them. We, I think they should have gave him a we, shot. We were off on Biggie Swanigan, man. Look, when those shots that Ed Davis was missing and stuff, I think Biggie Swanigan could have made a couple of those threes. The NBA's passing, passing by, man. It happens. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but I do feel like with the, with the Portland Trailblazers, they can't afford to get a guy who's going to sit on the end of the bench because they had too many dead weight guys in the playoffs, and they got exposed about that. They were playing guys who were good role players for them in, in the NBA season when you're not really preparing for this team. You know, Aminu and those guys, they could do the job. But when it came to the playoffs, he said, oh, we just don't have to guard those guys. Yeah. <laughs> we just got to just trap the guards and make those guys shoot. And those guys couldn't do anything. They got exposed. So I think Portland are the teams that are really late in this draft really have to maximize this pick. Uh, MADraft.net, shout out to them. They have them getting someone like Aaron Holiday. That would be amazing, I think, if they got someone like that. A guy who could come in, light it up. Um a little short. I I prefer the guy that we're getting would be like a six foot seven kind of guy, but they need the, all the help they can get. So if, if it was him, it'd be great. Uh, I like this kid Chandler Hutchinson from Boise State. Uh, not really a shooter. You getting Kyle Kuzma vibes? But I, I, I kind of I won't go that far because I I jumped out the window for Kuzma and have not been that right in a long time. So I don't want to keep saying that. But I, I, this kid is extremely aggressive. He's strong at going to the rim. Um, part of me though worries that at his frame, he played a bigger game than I think his frame suggests. Six foot seven, not even a hundred, two hundred pounds. I don't know if he could be running in there like a wild man the way he was going to the basket in the NBA. But the guy can finish with both hands. He's aggressive. He's like kind of guy that'd be scared in the playoffs. Like some of those wing guys on the 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 plays were scared this postseason. So I look at, the, at them as a team as well that I look at and say, okay, I'm curious to see what they end up doing. Speaking of players, are there any guys outside of that top ten you look at and say, this guy? Top ten or lottery? Lottery. Let's yeah. go outside the lottery. Let's yeah. go even. Let's get even more bold. You look outside that lottery and say, uh, this guy could end up being a guy that nobody was talking about, and he ends up stealing the show this rookie season or even during his career. Um. My three names, outside of the guys that I mentioned on our video, they should check out. Uh, three other names that have emerged in my film sessions uh, since then uh, were guys that just decided to enter the draft that weren't <laughs> at the time. Uh, Kevin Herter from Maryland, I think, has a chance to be a big-time rotation player in the league next year uh, because he's such a great shooter. that If you can shoot and you can score in other ways outside of shooting, that you can Stick on the court in the NBA, a la Kyle Korver. Um, he's a guy that Washington should very much look at drafting. Uh, risky, but I think he'll be on, he'll be on the court, and John Wall will find him. Um, 
I like Jalen Brunson, obviously national player of the year from Villanova, yeah. national two time national champion. I think he's a guy that very well could end up being the best point guard in this draft. Wow. Which I don't think it's as much about Jalen Brunson as it is. I'm not super high on any of these point guards. Um I think they all have bust potential, is what I'm saying. I think Jalen Brunson has boom potential in the sense that if Sexton busts and Trey Young busts and Shea Gill Alexander just meh, I think Brunson can emerge as the guy that is a starting point guard. Uh, he's steady. He can shoot. He's a decent athlete. He's very strong. And he's got him and Doncic have the highest IQs in this draft from what I can gather. So from a basketball perspective. So I I would I would rest if I were a team drafting in the twenties, Jalen Brunson would probably be my pick if I needed some sort of guard or point guard. Um, Man, you are just so off on the Brunson thing. I, I I don't see it. I see a guy I see a guard who made sense in like nineteen ninety five. He kinda reminds me a little bit of Mark Jackson. Not as good a passer, but and I don't mean like the Mark Jackson that got drafted, but like the Mark Jackson that was on like the Pacers, a little bit of a slow down kind of guard, could probe the defense, excellent in the post game. I just don't know. I don't th- that guard doesn't exist in the NBA. Mm. I don't look at him as a as a big time three guy. I know he hits threes, but uh, he doesn't seem to have the NBA range. I don't think he's making. Work a, on that. I don't think he's making NBA three. We we said year. that about Jason Tatum, and Jason Tatum. I thought Tatum had range though. I don't. I don't. I I mean, you guys had a bad. He didn't didn't shoot great from three. I. I, And he was a mid range. He's literally. I mean, especially in high school, only a mid range guy. Yeah. Okay. So that that was the only thing where it was like, with Brunson, I I agree that I I that seems to be a question mark. But I don't think you need to be a a sniper in the NBA nowadays. Just as long as you can keep the defense honest, which I think he can. But what great guard who doesn't blow by you or jump over you? Doesn't have a jump shot. That's great. Oh, he doesn't have a jump shot. That's what okay. It doesn't have a three. I mean, I don't know if that guy exists. You have your Walls, your Westbrooks. You have those guys who can just run past you. I think he could be in the Kyle Lowry. Lowry's class. an excellent three point shooter. Are you kidding me? Lowry developed his three point shot, but I think Brunson could develop his three point shot. If Jalen Brunson develops a Mike shot like Conley, Lowry, Mike Conley, he should be drafted in the top ten. Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, those are the type of guys Con- where they're not gonna. I mean, they on a on a night on a nightly basis, maybe you know on a, on a good night they could light it up, but they're not Damian Lillard, they're not Steph Curry. You know, Lowry I think, I think has developed. Lowry, I think you're off on. Lowry is those guys. Lowry, no, not. I mean, I'll, Lowry, his three point shooting. There, there are only very. I think few I think you're only looking at perspective. I think you're only looking at perception with him. Look at his three point numbers and how many threes he takes. He's a, he's like this generation's Tim Hardaway. He's a bomber. He launches threes. Regardless, I I see what you're saying. You know, Lowry's got range, but um, he's not a natural shooter. I agree. especially Conley. I would say like you can be a top flight point guard if you've got that basketball IQ. Tony Parker never been a, a lights out three okay, point shooter. That's a good one, and has been, you know, even if if prime Tony Parker was playing in today's NBA, he'd be he'd still be great. He'd still be a great point guard. Chris Paul isn't gonna kill you from three three point. Chris Paul kills you with his smarts. That's why I think Jalen Brunson could be successful in the NBA. And the other guy I'd look out for it. I want to see wherever Grayson Allen goes. I don't know 
what he's going to be in the NBA. So you're pro Grace now. We're off in this too. I don't see this guy. I don't see this guy as a player in the league. <laughs> I, I, it'd, be, it'd be interesting what would happen. <laughs> I don't to see it at all. It'd be interesting what would happen to Southern draft. And I don't. It's not, I have nothing against Grayson. I would love. To, <laughs> I mean, if he turned out great, I would love to see it. I, <clears throat> to me, I don't want to be the guy who's just bashing players on this podcast. But um, short, six foot four. So yeah, six. Yeah, six four, six five. Yeah, I mean, what did he come out of the combine at? I I didn't, I didn't I don't remember. I think, I, Probably I think, six four. I think it was like six four. <laughs> um, even he's six five. That's pretty short, right? So I'm probably gonna hear them play some one, <laughs> which didn't never went well at Duke. <laughs> never went well at Duke when that happened. I mean, Jason Grayson Allen had a great Duke career, um, a great college career. I would say a Duke career. That's a little arguable. I saw who I enjoyed arguing with people about that. People say he was an all time great Duker, and they were like, he was like, no. And I'm like, yeah, I agree, no, but. But he had a great college career. No question about that. Um, great college career. But when he had to play the point at Duke, their offense went up in flames. Yeah. Every time. So he's not. He doesn't give me any combo guard ability. So he's only a six foot four shooting guard. Yeah. He's not a knockdown shooter. And you hope he does. His ball handling is shaky. Shaky. Even for the two guard position, I think is like limited. Yeah, I think it's it's at best average. Um, I know he's a great athlete, so I, okay, you get that part of it. Um, but I just think his offensive game is so limited. Where he's not giving me no value defensively. Yeah, he's <laughs> I mean, <a> <laughs> Kevin, you haven't said anything. I said it was wrong. So where do you see the stuff with Grayson Allen that I'm missing? I mean, I think with Grayson Allen, you're looking at a guy that I think could be on the right on the right team. I think Jalen Rose said it best when he was talking about Grayson Allen on get on the show Get Up when he was like, Look, Grayson Allen ends up in Sacramento, he might not be in the league in three years. But if he's on Golden State, he'll have a job. <laughs> I think he's right. If Grayson Allen's in the right situation, as a shooter, as a But then I don't think he's a shooter. I think in the NBA I think, I think we're underrating his three point shot. I think people started to guard him more because he was a more Scouted player and a more noted player at Duke. Um, and I think shooting a lot of his mental, but I think if he works on his three-point shot, I think with how hard he plays, the energy he plays with, I can't – he reminds me of, like, he has a similar way about him that Marcus Smart has. Uh, doesn't not the athlete, Not the athlete in terms of defensive tools, but – just the, the the energy that the, that they play with, I could see him just carving out a role as a three and D shooting guard, um, who's a uh, a hyper athlete. I maybe I'm off on Grayson Allen. I think well, I think you are. It, it, a lot of it will depend on fit. You know, I think we'll we'll talk more about these guys when they get drafted, and we'll feel like yeah, this guy's in the perfect spot to be great. Grayson Allen, if he goes to Atlanta, we won't hear. From Grayson Allen again. I'll I just would like to see, like, who's the player that's like Grayson Allen. A lot of times, a lot of it comes down to that. It's like, who's the guy that's like this guy that has shown has success? I can't find the six four guy who only gives me who only gives me two guard minutes, no defense, an average shooter. Uh, who whose best attribute is his athleticism? Probably, I but think he I, doesn't have the handle really to get by people to get. To I'm the interested rim. to see how Grayson Allen looks in the summer league. Cause I think there's a chance he might be better than we think he is. 
And Maybe then I'm he, off. And then he's also 22 years old. Yeah. Then that, that's that part of it too. Yeah. That I'm getting an older player at that. Woj with was, all these issues. Woj was very was oddly confident that he's going in the first round, which makes me think that he knows one of these teams going to draft. He him. seems like the kind of player that would have a promise. Someone's going to be enamored. He's with too his. high profile yeah. a player. He could have a great workout. Someone's saying we're drafting you. I I would I would I mean again I I only have draft.net because that's what we have on our computers right now. But I think I've seen other a lot of people that have had him in the second round. That would surprise me. That would surprise me. I think that he'll be in the first. I don't. Round. I'd be surprised if the Celtics didn't draft him. I don't know why. Well, I think because Danny Ainge, he he, he kind of reminds me of Danny Ainge. If I'm being honest, that's the guy. Um, from a comparison standpoint, uh, but I think Danny Ainge would see a lot of himself. He also drafted. Danny Ainge shot the ball better than this guy. Well, he'd have to he'd have to improve his jump shot. But Allen isn't a bad shooter by any stretch. Of no, I wouldn't say that. I think if he works in the NBA, he's going to be a very good shooter. Um, which you would hope. Uh, so that would be my comparison for him. Um, and also the Celtics draft a lot of Duke guys. So I think they're, they're because the owner went to Duke and some plays at Duke and he's a booster. He's co- close to Coach K. So there's a lot of reasons why. But um, I think that, uh, I think he'll end up in the first round, though. One of those playoff teams will decide that he can help them right away. You want to give me, I will give you a bonus, some bonus players I like? Yes. Um, Landry Shaman from Wichita State. Uh, I think size six foot five. Shaman, and maybe I'm getting trippy because he looked kind of like this guy, but his game kind of reminds me of Sean Livingston. Uh, tall, lanky, not that fast, but kind of uses his size and his strength. He's a better shooter. To get to, yeah, he's a much better shooter than Livingston. Like, he can shoot threes. Livingston's mm-hmm. never going to be. But Livingston's turns a great mid-range shooter. Yeah. So that's kind of where I kind of, like, compared them. Um, Livingston probably better natural passer, but Shamit can, can pass the rock. Uh, he was a guy that was talked about in the lottery during the college season. I think his team's success or lack thereof felt, made him fall in the draft. But he's a very steady player. Um He's not flashy at all, but he, he just seems like a guy I could totally see as a backup, kind of like really solid guard come off the bench who just makes big plays, makes big shots. Greg Marshall's guys have been pretty decent in the league. You know, early flopped, but you know, Ron Baker's been able to keep a job for now. Sure. Uh, Van Vliet had a very good Van Vliet was year awesome. in yeah. Toronto, so that would be would be shocking if Van Vliet carved out a role in the league. De'Aaron Fox, who they've been working out together. In L.A., you know, at the same facility, him and Lonnie Walker uh, and Elise Johnson, they all been working out. He spoke very highly of Landry Shamit. said he can absolutely shoot uh, the lights out of the ball. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think Shamit. I mean, that his profile is a guy, I do see guys like that in the NBA. who can play one and two, guard two positions, shoot the rock. Um, I think that he's going to end up being a guy who probably plays in the league for a while. Uh I think Lonnie Walker is going to be decent, too. Um, I don't know where he's going to go. He's one of the guys that scares me with a team maybe going out the window, drafting him at, in the top 10 or something like that. But uh, they might end up being pleasantly surprised. They end up getting a good player. He's very athletic. He can shoot. Um, the biggest thing with him is he's got to work on his handle. That would be a little concerning for me because he is another guy who's very short. But in comparison to Allen, I think he's a better shooter than Allen as far as a, a knockdown you know, spot up shooter, and 
he's a better ball handler than Allen, and I think he's a better athlete. So, so I I, I see where he could be a good player. Um, you show me this French kid, uh, Eli Okobo. Okobo, and this guy could this guy could fill it up too. Eli Okobo is a, a baller, man. Yeah, I, I he's he. I'm very curious to see where he's gonna go. Um, is he gonna come over next year? We don't know. That's this that's, un, undecided. No yeah, one knows. I mean, is that, a lot of that sometimes depends on the team. You know, sometimes the team doesn't want the guy to come over for salary cap reasons. So, so there, there's a good chance he goes higher than maybe he's slotted to because a team says, "Look, we want to save cap space, so we need you to stay over for a year." But he's about 20 years old. It's about time he comes over, in theory. But he can play. Um, and they got are there guys that uh, you're looking at that you just don't get? Like the guys I was telling you, like all the guys you were telling me that I was like, I don't buy it. Uh. Omari Spellman, don't get the hype. I don't get it at all either. You know, totally he, agree. He can shoot. And I guess he has long arms, maybe. But the guy needed. If he was, dra- if he, if, if there's people having him in the twenty to twenty five range, if he is that range, I don't know how Biggie Swan is to get into the second round. Or he was Biggie Swan in the second round. Might have been late first round. Okay, I don't know how Biggie Swanigan wasn't drafted much higher because I. This guy's worse than Biggie Swanigan, and oh, Biggie Swanigan was incredible in college. Right, and to me, the people reason why people like Spellman is the reason why I like Biggie Swanigan. Right, and the problem, look, Spellman, he wasn't that great in college. You know, he is not he's a got, bad. He's player. got rings though. He's got yeah, he got one championship. You know, because he was a freshman, a redshirt freshman at Villanova, and he. He was like the third or fourth best player. He wasn't that much better than Eric Pascal in the front court at, at Villanova. Um, he fits the NBA because he can shoot and because he had long arms, so you would think maybe he could defend. But I'm not that high on on uh, Omari Spellman because I feel like in the NBA, also I don't see him as the highest basketball IQ type guy either. Um, so Omari Spellman is a guy that I'm not super high on. Um, I'm surprised he's that he's... He got a good enough good vibes from the NBA to stay in the draft. That's the I mean that's what happens when you win the national title. Yeah. Um or you make a final four run. Mm-hmm. Uh trying to think who else is a guy that I'm like, I, I just don't see it. Um Uh Zanzan Musa, another guy. I'm very, very shaky on. Sec- uh, European prospect. Um, the guy, for everything we know, is he's a great scorer, can shoot, plays at a high level professionally. Um, but at any time I watch the film, I watch the film, he's unimpressive. The guy, he reminds me of Nick Stauskas, um, which does not bode well for him, but worse than Nick Stauskas, I think. So. Plus, apparently, he had back problems, which also is a, a red flag. But I'm not very high on Musa, and I think he'll probably go in the first round. So, Two more guys I'm not crazy about. I don't get the Zaire Smith stuff. Zaire Smith, I feel like that's whoever drafts him is going to be burning their lottery pick. Um, he's a six foot four power forward. I mean, at this point, this is what he is. He yeah. does not shoot the ball. Um, he's well, a, he, can, I, he can shoot spot up, you would hope. He shot 40%. But the shots he was getting... They're like, wide open. He was getting pick and pop shots, yeah, like yeah, shots exactly. that no shooting guards ever. Get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The shots he's gonna get at the shooting guard position are gonna be nothing like yeah. what he saw at Texas Tech. 
Um, no handle. He's a, the guy's an unbelievable athlete. He will probably be in the dunk contest. He's that kind of athlete. Yeah. But I think you're just drafting an athlete. Like, I think you're drafting a guy who's so raw. Drafting a wide receiver. Yeah, you're drafting a guy who's so raw. That, I mean, if you turn him into a great player, like it would be a great testament to his work ethic and the player development system that he goes to. But right now, I can't imagine how anybody would draft him in the top 20. I don't get it. So I don't get him. And then on, kind of on the same note, those guys much lower. I don't get the Kyrie Smith stuff either. Uh, from the kid from uh, Creighton. Uh, I, for some reason, I watched Creighton a lot the last two years, and this was never a guy who I looked at and said he's going to be in the NBA. Uh, I know he gets shooted a little bit, but uh, I don't know. The production to me wasn't to the point where I saw a guy who I would be looking to draft in the first round. He's kind of small, so he's a combo guard, but he really only gives you. I think he. I think he's really a shooting guard. So. I didn't get the Kyrie Thomas stuff either, so those would be two guys that I look at. I'm kind of scratching my head at those guys being drafted where they could be drafted. Yeah, Kyrie Thomas. You know, we I, I believe we might have talked about him a couple weeks ago mm. on this show, but Kyrie Thomas. I mean, it's an interesting case. Um, but at Creighton, he wasn't really the best player on his team, so that's always a red flag for me. Uh, you know, he's got game. You know, I think more people look at him as a guy that translates to the NBA well. You know, decent size, skills, might be able to, might be able to play 3 and D. Uh, so, I see where the NBA talk comes from, but uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so sure about uh, Kyrie Thomas. For me, if you're going to be six foot three, four or under, and you're a subpar passer and dribbler, that's just a major red flag for me. Right. Because in this, in this league, you need to be able to move around the court with the handle. And the fact that he gives me no value at that at such a short height. He he can shoot. But, like, to me, you got to be a great shooter. To me, to feel like I feel comfortable that you're short, but you're just such a great shooter. It doesn't matter. A Damon Jones, Eddie House kind of shooter. He's not that to me. Yeah. So that's where I look at him, and I see a guy who can make a lot of money in Europe. I, I do not see a guy who's going to be an NBA star or NBA regular rotation there's player. So, there's someone in this draft that EJ reminds me a lot of Clay Thompson, um, who I'm extremely high on. Uh, I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, I think this kid's one of the best shooters and scorers in this draft. Uh, I'm, I'm going with Leandro Ball. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was saying, I was like, I don't know where you're going because Kevin Herter, you already talked about. I really thought you were going to have a. President Trump moment where you yeah. say the same thing. Yeah, no, exactly, man. <laughs> Leangelo Ball, EJ. Where's where's Jello going in the draft, man? Is there anyone who has made the case that he's like draftable? Clay Thompson. Oh, oh. I thought you may have like No, no I'm I'm not making I that. Maybe, I thought you maybe have found that somewhere. Yeah, oh yeah. It, the 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 Leangelo Ball fans, you know, that claim they that he's, he's like draftable. They're like he he's he can be like Clay Thompson. He's a great shooter. Clay Thompson is six seven. You watch any Leandro Ball workout, and you go to the YouTube the YouTube comments, or you see anything on Leandro Ball, you'll have people saying the Lakers should draft him because he'll be like Clay Thompson. Anyway, you say I'm, Clay Thompson I'm not fully convinced. Yeah, first of all, Clay Thompson six seven just got six three. <laughs> Second of all, I'm not completely unconvinced that there aren't uh, paid big baller trolls out there who are just putting that out there because I don't know who else could be caping for Leandro Ball like that. It's strange, right? It doesn't seem to make any sense. It's strange sense. that people love this guy, love this family so much. 
um, to the point where like they're delusional <laughs> in there. Like you can be supportive and like, I hope he gets drafted, but to be out there and be like, "Why well, if if you know Clay Thompson can do it, why can't Lee Angelo?" Like, come on. Now. I'm, I'm um, looking at this thing, uh, my this I guess uh, this thing, and and I see Hamidou Diallo late in the second round. That, yeah. yeah, that's 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 sad. That's sad to me. It's unfortunate, man. Should he have came they, out of high school? They, they, they Cal, get... The Cal push him out. Like, why is this guy in the draft? Well, he should have came out last year when he could have. Uh, I don't think Cal pushed him out. Well, he might have because he has a super team coming in next year. But right, because uh, this is because he should not be in the NBA draft. But I don't think he's gonna come out, or I don't think he was gonna stay. His stock <coughs> was already at an all-time low. It could again, so it could have gotten lower. Was kind of like the kid uh, a couple years ago, uh, the big man. I can't remember his name. Scal. Yeah, like Scal his stock was already ruined by playing at Kentucky. Like you might as well get out before you're not an NBA player. Uh, I feel we've seen those type of guys too. That like Marcus Lee, another guy from Kentucky, that was like, I'm not gonna go to the NBA right away and stay. He ends up transferring to Cal, but, like, now he's also in this draft, and we don't hear even a lick. He's not a draftable player. Yeah. Because if you would have left that as freshman year, somebody would have took a shot on him. Um, so I think Diallo made the right decision in leaving. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt <laughs> from Kentucky, not a name people are super familiar with because he was hurt for most of the year. Mm-hmm. But the guy is one of the best rebounders I've ever seen. Mm. Um, per 40 minutes, he averaged 18 rebounds a game. At Kentucky, uh, only about six eight six nine, but can play point forward, elite rebounder, like elite rebounder to the point where when he gets to the league, he's gonna be one of the best rebounders in the league. You would think. <laughs> wow. So if he has, you have point forward skills, elite NBA level rebounder. It seems like a guy that could play. The only problem is he has he broke his foot and he's had multiple foot problems. So the injury red flag is something that hurts. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt's stock, but the rebounding ability, I mean, even De'Aaron Fox, like that, obviously some of the stats back up, but Fox talked about Jared Vanderbilt. He said um, they're both from Houston, so they, yeah. they're close, but he was like, the guy is the best rebounder I've ever seen. Um, so. And he's playing in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, he's an NBA player. This is after his rookie season. Yeah. So. I, he, he's somebody that I wouldn't be surprised if he was on a rotation if he can <clears throat> stay healthy. Who's the best player in this draft? All said and done. 10, 15 years? I, I'd be shocked if it weren't Luka Doncic. You'd be shocked if it was not Luka Doncic. Yeah. Well, I'd be shocked if you weren't an all-star, but um, yeah, I think it would be Luka Doncic. I think he... A lot of it depends on fit and where guys end up. I mean, generally the best player kind of doesn't matter, but with him, just where he's been at every stage, uh, he's been at a disadvantage at every stage in terms of being the youngest guy uh, and being ill-prepared for a lot of these situations, and yet he's risen to the top in every situation he's been at. Uh, So I don't think that'll change in the NBA. But... I can see how you could look at him and be like, he's not going to be great because he's not that athletic. He's not a lights-out shooter. Um, and he's not in the greatest shape. So there's problems with Luka Doncic, certainly, but I think there, I think a lot of that 
is accustomed to the wear and tear of having to play a season. Uh, he's got he plays games every week. Um, played for Slovenia in the Eurobasket, then played for Real Madrid in this tournament, then played in the Euroleague, then played. Then had to finish the ACB and then goes back to playing for Slovenia. And he's played, I believe, like 102 games in the last calendar year. So it's. If he looks a little broken down, it's because he's 18, 19, and he's playing more than the average NBA player would. Uh, I think it comes down to three or four guys. Doncic, Muhammad Bamba, Porter, and I'll throw Aiden in there. I'll, I'll throw Aiden in there. Yeah. Because we don't have the best player. Doesn't mean Aiden can be great, but the best player. I don't know if he's going to be the best player because of how the NBA is right now. I'm going to agree. I'm going to go Luka, but it's hard. I, I think that it could easily be uh, Muhammad Bamba. Okay, I can see the defense. I can see him being a generational defensive player. Um, I can see it being Porter because of the offensive skill set at that size. And there not being few guys. There being only a few guys like that. But I think Luca, I think Luca's gonna be a winner. Yep. Luca to me, as you've seen anything about what he's done in Europe, you can talk about the number, you can talk about the stats, the awards, the individual accolades. But I think what's most impressive to me still, this guy wins titles, he, titles, championships at at eighteen, nineteen years old. That's so impressive. I mean, you playing EuroBasket, your team is probably the Third, fourth, fourth or fifth best, best team yeah. in the tournament. You win a championship. You play in Real Madrid, okay, he's got one of the better European teams. We're but not favored. He's the best player. They weren't favored in the Euro uh the Euro Euro uh, the Euro League. You win a championship, you're the finals MVP, you're the final four MVP. You're the Euro League MVP. Uh this guy something he has an intangible bottom. And and an intangible bottom that those deficiencies that we talk about, I feel like he will overcome. So I will go Luca as well. For me, he's but Bamba. I, I think I think Bamba could be special. I think if, if I had a big board right now, for me, Muhammad Bamba might be number one. You'd almost pick him in any situation. Yeah, it'd be hard for me not to pass up on a guy like that. He's very obviously. We talked about on the show. He's a very impressive kid as well. Um, as <laughs> he's a kid, he's probably my age. But at the same time, um, but what I will say is uh, with Doncic, I haven't felt. I mean, I feel the same way about him that I felt about Ben Simmons when I was sure about Ben Simmons being an all-star. Now, Ben Simmons, I had no clue about the intangible. I still have no clue about the intangible. I feel, I didn't feel better I didn't feel, about Simmons than him, but I see what you're saying. I, like, I didn't feel good about Simmons' intangible, but I was certain that he was going to be a very impactful player in the NBA. Um, and outside of that, I think yeah, you'd have to go back to Anthony Davis, where I felt this confident about a prospect. And the Anthony Davis didn't come until, I think, after the Olympics. When I saw him, you know, rubbing elbows with LeBron and those guys, I was like, yeah, this guy. Without a doubt. He's, he's the be, guy. Without a doubt, this guy's going to be like, what is the best player in the league? And so those, he's in that class of guys for me. Let's do Kendall's core, Kendall. What do we got to wrap the show? Yeah, EJ, speaking of uh, Team USA, um, this week we've had uh, the 2018 FIBA Americas tournament, uh, but for the under-18 
Uh, it's an under-18 tournament. And the Team USA team, you know, is featuring a lot of the best high school basketball players in the country, like it normally does. Uh, it's being played in Canada, and it's being coached by Bill Self. Now, what's interesting is that the roster itself uh, features plenty of, again, some of the plenty of the top high school or incoming college players in the country. Uh, the starting lineup for the team included Quentin Grimes, who's going to be McDonald American, is going to be at Kansas next year, uh, playing for Bill Self. Uh, it also included two other guys uh, that are also very, uh, you know, close Kansas targets for Bill Self: Matthew Hurt, big man from Minnesota, and Jeremiah Earl Robinson, who's a big man from Kansas. Especially Earl Robinson probably didn't deserve to be in the starting lineup. In terms of where he was ranked, he's not like a consensus top ten guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like it's very obvious that Bill Self was using this as not only um, a way to get his name out, but as a recruiting tool. Um, when you have the chance to coach someone <laughs> like Matthew Hurt, who's an uncommitted prospect, coach Earl Robinson, who's right in your backyard in Kansas, or coach Quinn Grimes, who I imagine he when he was recruiting Quinn Q. Grimes to go to Kansas, told him, look, I'm going to be the coach of the United States national team. You're going to be the man. The kid was named MVP of the tournament. You're going to be the star player of the team, regardless of whether or not you deserve it. I'll get you your touches. This has led people to ask the question, should college basketball coaches be allowed to uh, to coach the national United States national team? My question is, is this Bill Self's first year? This is Bill Self's first time doing it. Is this something that he's going to do often, like every year? I mean, it seems like it's been a revolving door. Because I would say that if that's the case, I don't think it's that big a deal. I think Cal Perry did yeah. it last year. Cal Perry did it. Sean Miller done it in the Mark past. Few, I think, has done it. As an He's been a, maybe as an assistant. I don't know. Yeah, I think he, he's definitely been attached to USA basketball. Uh, he might. He's definitely been an assistant. I think he was also the Pan America Games coach, I believe. Okay, so. But it wasn't college. Right. So, I mean, there have been various different guys who have done it. I think if you make it a revolving door, I'd be okay with it. I also wonder if maybe it would be best if you took maybe big coaches but not at the biggest programs. I don't know how you you can't govern that. But, like, if it was Greg Marshall, it was Mark Few, if it was some little guys like that, I wouldn't feel it. I'm sure it wouldn't be as, like, Okay, you obviously got the this blue guy blood coaches. Team. But if it's gonna be a Cal Parry or a self, we're gonna they're gonna have guys on the roster. Yeah. They they're gonna. It's just yeah. there's no way that they're gonna have recruiting targets yeah. on the roster. So the idea that you're gonna have this perception that oh they they they're looking out for their guys is is inevitable. So uh, the only way to fix that I think is maybe for and the team USA to be like, okay, we won't we'll get guys who we know aren't gonna have these top notch recruits. Because like what this. was strange were guys were getting cut. I mean, I was following the thing and. I mean, look, I'm not at the practices. I can't tell you who should have made the team and who shouldn't have. But just going off recruiting rankings and what I know about these guys and what I've seen from them playing in AAU, there were guys getting cut that were, it was weird. Where I'm like, Earl Robinson, like I mentioned, not one of the better players in the country. I mean, he's likely a future McDonald American, but not a guarantee. But there were guys getting cut that were like top 10 players. I'm like, maybe the guy looked that bad, but how do you not find a spot for this guy? But you're putting a spot for your boy. Who barely should have made the team, let alone be nice starting. Now yeah. be, let alone being in the starting lineup. Very, very weird. It's also like we're Team USA. We saw what happened against Panama earlier in the week when they were forty three nothing, and 
beat them by Yo, like 77 to 8 I think <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that crazy like stuff is it's that crazy where it's like do we really need Bill Self coaching the team to win Right. Like, I mean, you could probably coach the team, EJ, and they would still <laughs> compete for a gold medal. Right. So that's where it's like there are plenty of high school coaches that need that. Need, not only do they would would they love the experience, they probably need it to get their names out there. Right. You know, like there are plenty of coaches that want to coach in college basketball that maybe if you gave, a, you know, a Kevin Boyle or a Bob Hurley, you know, great high school coaches an opportunity, maybe they'd say, you know, Maybe colleges would say, look, look at what this guy did with Team USA. What Bill Self does for the United States national team and the under-18 division means nothing. Mm. I don't think anybody cares. I don't, I don't think Bill Self really cares. It's just a it's a paycheck, assuming he gets paid, and it's a recruiting tool. Um, now, the ultimate recruiting tool was Coach K yeah. at Duke. So that's the caveat. Um, I don't have a problem with that. Because that's professional sports. That's a totally different avenue. Had nothing to do with that. Um, and, like, that really is competitive, I think. Like, you can't just put anybody and say, Team USA is going to win. Yeah. As we saw in 04. Like, you can't just pick any coach and say, we're going to win. Right. And it's a big deal. Like, if Team USA lost the U18 tournament, like, we lost to Canada, you know, a couple of years ago, last year with Cal Parry, nobody cared. It's whatever. We, we saw. Um, Jeff Van Gundy coached the Pan American games. Um, and we've seen kind of like in these other sports, you know, Herm Edwards coaching these like high school all-star games. I kind of feel like that would be a great avenue to have former NBA coaches coach that. Yeah. Uh, I think, because maybe you say, okay, high school coaches is like... Low level. Low level. And part of me feels like even that could be like a way for high school coaches to be like, look what I'm doing, I'm coaching. Yeah. I don't know if I like that either. Like, <laughs> yeah, I want to come get, to my program. Like, what would be the... Like, my thing is, my, th- my idea was, what would be the most like non-agenda... Thing for the happen. Get a John it'd be Gruden like, type guy. It'd be like Lenny Wilkins coaching them. It'd be Jeff Van Gundy. Lionel Holland. It'd be George Sam Carl. Mitchell. George Carl. Someone like that. And who's comp- you know These guys are you know, competent. They could coach these guys in under eighteen. I'm, I think it would actually be a, a great experience for these guys. They would love to do that. I think that'd be way. I think that would be way better for them playing for Coach Cal or Carl. These guys eventually all want to go to the NBA. Yeah. So they, they, you're playing coaching under an NBA guy who's telling you. I used to play. They're running NBA style sets. I mean, that I think will be a great recruiting tool for Team USA more than even these guys, Coach Self and Cal Parry, who are just going to be looking out for their guys. So, um, I, I overall, I know that a lot of people have said about it. I don't think it's a huge deal, but if you Team USA want to kind of fix the agenda, I think that'd be great. The they one thing I will say: former NBA coaches coaching. It's also a risk for those coaches like a Cal <clears throat> Parry or Bill Self, because what if you don't? play a player as much or what if you don't or if you do cut a player i mean i believe tj leaf a couple years ago when sean miller was the coach he was committed to arizona he got cut decommitted went to ucla a lot of the talk was he decommitted because sean miller cut him from team usa i guess they feel like it's it's a problem they're they're willing to have yeah, I mean, they rather Miller have they rather have the, ended the up chance with good player that of like being around all those guys and having that on their resume than losing a kid. That's yeah, the risk that they run, I guess. Um, I think that's a good place to end it, though, Kendall. So thank you, guys, so much for listening in to this special uh, NBA draft preview show. We will have a draft recap show most likely later on this week, so that should be awesome. 
Check that out. Check out all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Check us out on Facebook, New Generation Media, and on Twitter at New Generation Pod. Follow me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart and on Instagram at Action EJ. That does it for now. We'll be back next week with more or maybe later on this week with more sports talk, recapping the draft. We will talk about the World Cup as well. We did not forget about it. We just ran out of time today talking about the draft, but we will get to that as well. But until next time, for Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.